Let's not bury the lead. You were upset that it seemed like Hill was coming, and so you're concocting all these scenarios, but you were the one who was pissed about it. I was, yes. Uh, uh, I made him... I'm trying to push your buttons here, buddy. I'm trying to push your buttons. So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget... We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. They have no idea we're coming. Take hold of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. We'll take the next chance. And the next. You're rebels, aren't you? You called the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome back to the podcast here with Bizzlecast contributor. Well, actually, at this point, dude, based on number of appearances, you're a senior contributor. Bizzlecast senior contributor, Jason Jimbo Ritter. We're going to, of course, be talking the huge Batman casting news. We'll be talking about some less well known casting news uh, that just came out uh, having to do with the score and one of our favorite composers. First of all, dude, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be back, Bizzle. Um, happy Halloween, I guess, since we're in that time frame. We sure, can, sure. We can, it's it's that time we can break out the long Halloween and read it now. So Batman casting, buddy. Let's go. Jason Momoa is the stepfather of the actual stepfather who's married to uh, the Cosby kid who used to be married to Lenny Kravitz. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, but Bonet, well, Lisa Bonet. Yeah. And, and not only that, dude. Not only that. They're, they're remaking High Fidelity into a TV show, and Zoe Kravitz is, I think, going to play her mom's role in that, which is unbelievable. She's the daughter of a rock and roll legend and a Hollywood legend, is Zoe Kravitz. She's also half Jewish on both sides, which makes me and my family extremely happy if confused about what's going on here. She used to date Ezra Miller in their co-stars, man, in the Fabulous Beasts movie, which have mostly done really well. She used to date Ezra Miller when they were both kid actors, which is another reason this could work, and I think it's a sign we're getting Ezra Miller back, baby, um, as we talked about. There is so many connections. It's bordering on nepotism with the casting of, let me be clear, guys, Zoe Kravitz, definitively Zoe Kravitz cast as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. You call this dude we're gonna get back to the fact that you called this and why i didn't think it was going to happen based on the information i had at the time but this wasn't a wrong call by me it was i didn't have enough information she's doing more than i realized she's a great actress i've always thought has a lot of potential i'm thrilled they went with it she has the voice of of batwoman in the dc you know lego stuff she does the voice of mary jane in uh the spider-verse movie she's great 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 talent has you know genes and and you know every aspect of, of of singing and performance on both sides of her family this was an unbelievable casting but dude i'm telling you dude marvel did the same thing in terms of bringing in family it's not nepotism if you bring in family members who make you better and make the product better joss whedon had two brothers whedon brothers that were very involved in everything he did not directly with the avengers necessarily but agents of shield and all of his non marvel stuff including captain hornbull and you know other projects he's done zach and um uh, uh, um, 
uh, Jeb, uh, and Jeb's wife has been a, a major executive producer on Marvel stuff as well. You look at the Russos, obviously they're brothers, but they also run th- their stuff like a family, James Gunn and Sean Gunn, you know, and they're all about family. I'm telling you, dude, you want to have these people feel like family members, and if they are actually family members, all the better. So I just threw a lot out there. I am super psyched. For the record, the only reason I didn't think this was happening was because you told me at the time when you said it that she said she was too busy or something, and I was like, well, she's too busy, she's too busy, but this was your first one that you presented me with. I was totally on board then, and I'm obviously super on board now. Uh, it's very exciting. It takes the pressure off with Barbara Gordon, both in terms of the casting, will it happen, how much of it will be, blah, 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 and Robin. This takes the pressure off that part um, as well, and the casting of the villain, which we're going to get to uh, in a little bit, also takes the pressure off. So as you can tell, I'm very excited. We've talked online about this. I, you know, you presented this to me first, dude, so to be very specific, and then you can talk about whatever you want. When you presented this to me um, as your first uh, pick um, for, for Catwoman, like, was it your first choice, or was it just the first one you had, you had sort of written down at the time? It was the first one I kind of had written down at the time because, you know, they wanted a young, uh, you know, person of color to play Catwoman. And, you know, she was, she was pretty queer. She, she, she's reprising a role she voiced in the Lego Batman movie. So it's very rare an actor gets to voice the character first and then play it in live action. So that's kind of weird, but still. Yes. That was the other thing was when we talked about this initially. You sort of this isn't a this isn't anything blame on you. This is just lack of research on my point. I think I had known that um, that that was the case with her. I hadn't done my Spider Verse rewatch yet, so I'd forgotten that voice performance. I guess she's so gorgeous and, and talented. I, it's not that she wouldn't do. I mean, Rosario Dawson does Babs, you know, DC Lego. She's amazing, you know. So these superstars are, are all doing voice stuff. I just had sort of forgotten it. Um, I, and I haven't seen the Fantastic Beast stuff. I haven't seen her other TV shows. Um, and, and so, you know, I, um, you know, I, I personally should have probably been pushing for this harder. It just seemed unlikely um, at, at the time. Uh, and so, I don't know. I wonder what changed. If you have any thoughts about that, I know that apparently she was Reeves' first choice, but then she turned it down i guess for something else i mean that's what i that's what that was the rumor at the time you know but we're right but i'm saying was when this happened when she was actually cast i then went back and looked at the various news reports and there was never one that said she turned them down it just seemed to be taking extra long considering she's the perfect fit she's done this she's worked with them her dad's her stepdad's jason baboa her ex-boyfriend and i assume still buddy is ezra miller she's already in the dc universe she's been an x-men she's great she's gorgeous she's young she's athletic you know she'll absolutely kill it in this role so side note i was somewhat offended by how they exploited her in uh first class now, X-Men, now, it's possible, you know, having her family be a lot of famous people, but a generally good parents, it seems like, um, you know, would help her through such a situation. Uh, but there was so much strip club stuff. And to make her a stripper as like a 17-year-old in X-Men First Class, there was a lot about the movie that's in poor taste, like Emma Frost. But that was somewhat poor taste and not, not um, uh, indicative of her of her talents. This will certainly be 
Um, and, you know, you don't have to extra sexify Catwoman, dude. Let's be honest. Look at Anne Hathaway, who I think is one of the most gorgeous actresses on the planet, especially in terms of her talent level, is a gorgeous, full-bodied woman, is, is Anne Hathaway. They did. She looked amazing in the Batsuit and everything she wore, but they didn't need to, like, over-sexualize it. And as you noticed, Michelle Pfeiffer even specifically advised her to talk about, you know, the pee hole and the costume, because women especially, but men and women are constantly complaining about there's no pee hole in these costumes, so they can't pee for, like, 12 hours. It's hilarious. Michelle Pfeiffer, excuse me. Yeah, so apparently she was up for a role also in The Dark Knight Rises back in the day, too. So I just find it interesting that eventually she got her way around to being in a Batman movie. So. And so you put her with Michelle Pfeiffer, legendary, gorgeous actress, especially in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, late 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Michelle Pfeiffer is a legend who still looks amazing if you've seen ant-man uh halle berry who's legendarily like the ben affleck daredevil in the associated Electra movie uh like legendarily bad um and pulpy but and also but halle berry did has even gotten shit throughout her career for like her x-men performances you know in movies that were good i love storm in the x-men she's not great in the first one because they don't have anything for her to do but as i said last time when they have halle berry famke jensen and uh alan cummings who plays nightcrawler doing all the heavy lifting together in x2 it's glorious and she's great she's absolutely great men like just just like to pull pull down you know empowered beautiful women who play their comic book roles because it's not their exact casting i will say dude the male nerd response to zoe kravitz is very high and so i don't given her experience her lineage and the casting i don't think people are gonna have a problem with her but it was really nice for halle berry to come out show her support my point there was whatever that was a bad Catwoman movie halle berry still won an oscar and is a great actress i would love to see her back in some more stuff i guess she was in john wick 3 i did not see that um and so uh yeah Good. Right. Yeah, so it's good to see her. Now, if they're going like it should with the long Halloween, is it, if you remember in that book, they were dating, but they don't know if it, they don't know each other's secret identity. So it sounds like that this will, she will be prop, that will be the crux of the movie of their exploring their, probably their complicated relationship with, with, uh, each other. So it sounds like if they're gonna, if they're picking that, if they're getting someone that big for Catwoman. So, was this the role you had uh, postulated Rosario Dawson for, or no Babs? Because she's done Babs' voice, right? I think I was. Did, did we? No. No, I don't think we did that. I, I can't remember. <laughs> Anyways, speaking of which, Rosario, as if she could become a bigger star, now dating lovable and not leading candidate, but definitely the most lovable Democratic candidate, Cory Booker, who me and my family have, have loved for years. And you, you, I'm sure we know more about him because he's a tri-state guy um, uh, from New Jersey, is Cory Booker. He's been dating Rosario for a while, and I've been telling people that it's serious because Rosario wouldn't have let it go public so much unless it was serious. And even while he's about to get kicked out of the race based on the polls, she is really, you know, going going ham and, and helping him. Uh, but she's also loved by all the other candidates, and she likes a lot of the other ones. So 
you know, on top of everything else, being an unbelievable actress, model, human being, he does humanitarian work, modeling, and now she's doing travel stuff to get people to Puerto Rico, where part of her family's from, and now she's helping with what I consider to be the good cause with the sort of progressive Democrats and so forth. You gotta love it. And on top of everything, dude, we gotta make the Batman connection. We're getting Jay and Silent Bob are back, baby. Woo! And if we are we're making our DC connection, she's also the current voice of Wonder Woman in some animated stuff, too. So Yeah, we should probably get rid awesome. of Gal Gadot. <laughs> not. Not. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. She's amazing as Babs. I, I, look, that was the best Babs performance on the big screen we've ever seen. I don't think there's any uh, way to argue that. Um, but she is in the Jane Silent Bob reboot, of course, because as I've said many times, the only thing that makes Clerks too interesting and watchable is essentially comes from, uh, I was going to say Claire Temple, it comes from uh, Rosario Dawson. Um, so back to the, the Zoe point, dude, the thing, the fact that she had voiced it and the fact that she has a history with Ezra Miller and even the fact that she is the stepdaughter of, um, of Jason Momoa could have worked against Kravitz, um, with this. We will never get the full story. Let's put it this way. If Reeves wanted her and there was a holdup again, this is coming from DC, not Reeves. Um, I don't know why, when she's been shown to be a loved actress in, in public figure for many years in many different media, why you would wait on this. Uh, but, you know, there's no way she wouldn't jump at the opportunity unless they were totally lowballing her. That's why things happening, man. I think DC's lowballing these actors and actresses. And so, if they don't love the role enough and they don't increase the money a little bit, you know, Marvel and Disney will throw out as much money at you as they need to. Um, and like I said, they've been backing up the money truck to Haley Steinfeld for six months, and now with the Hawkeye controversy, but controversy potentially will start backing up the money trucks even more back on Haley Steinfeld's line. Zoe Kravitz is another one that you want to just add to your brand long term. It's not just because she's beautiful; people know her name, they know her face. She's so talented. She's on what's seemingly an amazing show on HBO that I didn't even know about. Um, were you aware of, of all of Kravitz's? Yeah, were you aware of Kravitz's activities in the last few years? Because to me after first class and a couple early things that I saw her in, I actually expected her to be a, like, you know, not Jennifer Lawrence level superstar, but, you know, like a pretty big star at this point. Maybe this is the break that she needs, being in a fucking Batman movie as Selena Kyle. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I thought, you know, I thought she was kind of a chameleon type of actor that, like, you know, you would forget that she's in the role because you just remember that she... You know, she would kind of like hide a little bit, you know, kind of just help with the movie and stuff like that. But the the movie that I really noticed her in was the uh, second Fantastic Beast movie. Though not, though it's not great, she, I thought she was pretty good in it. So, Where, yeah. did her do her and Ezra Miller act across each other in those movies? No, she acts mostly with uh, Redmayne. And Jude Law. Oh, Redmayne. You know this is my first and still most honest and real bromance ever. The first time I ever used the word bromance or man crush was with Eddie Redmayne after Les Mis and then A Theory of Everything with my female crush, Felicity Jones. And now Felicity and Eddie Redmayne are in another great movie together called Aeronauts about a woman a woman and her scientist man who are trying to you know fly the hot air balloon over the Atlantic or something in the fucking 1830s. They've both been nominated won Academy Awards, two of my favorite actors. And honestly, dude, like Eddie Redmayne is. It, I always say to people, if let's say they don't like the the Fantastic Beasts movies, I'm like, look, 
people like Eddie Redman do these movies and they try and make them good, but they also do them so they can do indie movies with Felicity Jones every chance they get. Felicity Jones loved doing Rogue One, but she does partially does movies like Rogue One when she gets the opportunity so that she can do movies about, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, you know, a female uh, hot air balloon pilot in the 1830s, right? I mean, you have to build a fund. Not everyone's Robert Downey Jr. and gets paid $50 million per role. Oh, by the way, dude, in the uh, miscellaneous section later having to do with Star Wars, I do want to talk about the budget of Mandalorian and the proposed budgets of the Marvel shows, uh, which apparently are much higher than the budgets of the Mandalorian, uh, which is interesting, um, and, but we'll, we'll get back to that later. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. I mean, I said in our, one of our previous podcasts that I don't really care about Selena Kyle. I said I wanted Selena Kyle all over the trilogy. I, basically, what I said was I wanted Selena Kyle in two to two and a half of the three movies. I just thought it would be more interesting to set up Babs and, and, uh, and Dick Grayson early on. This actually makes more sense. I, I know it's happening in casting order, but even in terms of the movie, setting up the bad guy and Selena Kyle, good guy, bad guy, good guy, whatever, early on, and have the team come in later, late in the movie, is, I'm, gonna, I'm starting to get more, more sold on that. Um, so how do you see... How does this change how you see Catwoman, if at all, fitting in to the movies? Side question, and this isn't to have, like, you know, uh, political correctness talk, but we have to be honest. We, now we've got, you know, Black Catwoman, awesome. We've, we think we got, but not been confirmed. You'd think Jeffrey Wright's people would have confirmed it already, Black Gordon, I don't know. I, I know this is this is lame. This is exactly why they should do it. They should go for a black Gordon and for a black Babs and for a black Catwoman. But part of me is cynical and thinks the casting, this casting for Batwoman, is maybe making them reconsider having a black uh, Gordon family. I could be wrong about that. I hope I'm wrong. I, I don't want to be that cynical. Yeah, I, I, I think Jeffrey Wright's pretty much confirmed at this point. But yeah, it's the worst kept secret. But I, I see it. Well, you, you gotta, you gotta diversify. Like I said, you know, the Dark Knight movies—they're all great and all, but most of the cast members are a bunch of white dudes. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta diversify your cast a little bit. You know, get some representation. In there. <laughs> diversify your bonds, bitches. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. true. That is true. That's true. That's very true. And I mean, another like you know, girl next door, Rachel Dawes, white girl. We did not need. Yeah, I mean, like I said in the last podcast, the yeah. the only diversify we had in Dark Knight movies was Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is amazing, but you got to diversify a little bit more than that. <laughs> I, look, I just pointed the scenario I didn't want to happen. So what you said, I'm, by the way, dude, on IMDb, which is not be all end all, they do hide stuff, but they usually don't take off the off the rumor tag unless it's pretty certain. There's not a rumor tag at the moment. Now on Wiki there is, but for Jeffrey Wright at IMDb there is not a rumor tag at the moment. Um, so it's seeming more like they're in negotiations. I don't know what he's negotiating for. Even if WB lowballs him, it's still most than he, more than he gets paid on most of the sort of indie properties that he does, right? Right. So I mean, yeah. I mean, the man is is a he's a man of many talents. I mean, I mean, most people know him from the James Bond, the Hunger Game movies, mm-hmm. and of course, he is the Watcher now in in the Marvel universe. Yep. By the way, guys, I, I got to correct myself. Zoe Kravitz is much older than I thought. Um, so she was already uh, like twenty two when they made First Class. So if she wants to strip on screen in an X Men movie, sure, go ahead. Um, I thought she had been younger at that point. So she's actually, dude, she's eight years older than Zendaya. Um, 
So they're close enough in age, that, and both you know starlets in you know multi. Let's put it this way: Zendaya is famous in things in movies and otherwise. Zoe Kravitz is famous in things in movies, shows, and otherwise. They would totally get along, kind of off screen. Because um, I'm still holding on hope about this, man. I, I actually think overall the casting period of Catwoman, and specifically the casting of Zoe Kravitz, um, is a good sign for our pick for for Babs Zendaya. Um, and we're going to talk about with the villain, they seem to be casting the most talented people they can at these positions, which is all I'm ever asking for, right? I, my constant knock on Warner Brothers is that, you know, they're either wasting great talent, like Henry Cavill, which has made me sad for like five years, and now I'm happy. He's seen Justice League and now The Witcher. He's getting used. I always thought Henry Cavill was great, and they were misusing him, or they just pass on talent because they don't want to shovel out the dollars or, or something. Um, I, I don't really know. Um, again, that's my prediction is what the holdup was with Kravitz was some dollars and maybe some film scheduling, but they know it's, she knows Matt Reeves, man. People in the know know who Matt Reeves is. She knows Pattinson's, a, you know, a, a teen legend and they probably were already telling her some of the top choices and the fact that Dano happened really quickly. Uh, do you want to jump to the villain here and then we can talk about both of them? And yeah, let's, let's. Let's jump to the riddles. It's not. It's not that we don't love Kravitz. It's the fact that you and I both love this pick so much. There's almost. This is what I said about Elizabeth Olsen. Like I love this pick so much that I, I want to wait to see it because I have nothing but 100 percent praise. In the meantime, I think that's how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not feeling. So let's let's jump to. Okay. So there, so there was rumors about Jonah Hill being a bad guy, maybe the Riddler, which I was like, eh. There's rumor about Seth Rogen. Dude, I'm telling you that ne- that's not real. That's not real. There's no way Seth Rogen would have would have. Let's put it this way: Seth Rogen is open about his lack of acting ability. He's very funny, but he knows his lack of acting ability. I don't think Seth Rogen would have felt comfortable in this. I I think this was a tag along thing with Jonah Hill. Like, sure, let's talk with Seth. Um, maybe Jonah Hill was serious, but as soon as they said Dano, I was like, this is the perfect casting. My lead into this man was even though Kravitz was cast what three days to a week before three maybe only three days before uh, Dano. Yeah. Yeah. So I look at that point, they knew it was Dan now, I think, even though it was three days away. And I think that was a signing on point because actors is psychotic and crazy as he is on screen. He's this weak guy off screen. If, if he's if though intense is Dan now, Paul Dano. Um, but uh, at the same time, people love acting with dude. I mean, look, arguably my favorite and I think the best film to come out in the 21st century is there will be blood. And you know, there's only two real actors in there will be blood. There's Daniel Day Lewis and then there's multiple versions, we think, or we're not sure, of Paul Dano, the, the horrible, corrupt preacher. And it's him and, you know, being a horrible preacher, and Daniel Day Lewis being a horrible capitalist in the late 1800s with oil, you know? It's just a brilliant film. Paul Thomas Anderson is a genius, but those two are amazing. I didn't even like Dano's portrayal initially when I saw that movie, even though it was instantly one of my favorites because of Daniel Day Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson directing because it was so over the top. But as I've seen more Dano roles and then gone back to that, it's that's you know why it's risen to the top. I love Looper, which he's in. I love the Netflix movie Okja. If you guys haven't seen it, which is a really horrifying, it looks like it's a kid's fairy tale about this, this species of, in the mammal in the future uh, that managed to survive the apocalypse, but then gets you know captured, brought to America, and put through the um, you know the uh, 
the 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 beef uh, grinders or whatever. It's a very like pro vegetarian movie. But there's lots of famous people like Tilda Swinton and Jake Gyllenhaal and so forth. It's definitely a pro vegetarian tale. Uh, it's very well done, very sad. <clears throat> um, and he plays the leader of the resistance, but even in that role, he's kind of psychotic and doesn't know what's going on. So I, th- um, you can say about Hill if Rogan if you want, but Dan though is on such another level of acting. Those two other guys would admit it immediately. It may have been serious with the with the you know Judd Apatow crew guys. It may have not been, but I, it, considering how fast this came out, once it came out, I think Dan Noah's at the top of their list instantly. And even if this wasn't the Riddler, as I told you off mic, and this was just a random weird Batman villain like Mothman or Mirror Man or something, I would be on point. But him doing a version, a psychotic version of the Riddler with a slow reveal to the audience, even if we sort of know that he's the bad guy based on his psychosis earlier on in the movie, is absolutely perfect you sent this to me you were not happy about those other guys you were happy about this i told you immediately i was very happy about this so what was your, your response to this whole casting of uh paul dano in um uh, in batman uh or the batman i should say as the riddler all right so let me break this down break it down all right so we first found out i think with the it's a day or two i think when um um, Matt Reeves and uh, Jonah Hill part ways. I think he was trying to get the Jack Nicholson treatment, trying to get money on the back end probably because Nicholson got back in on Returns and Forever. So I think Hill was trying to get for that type of money and they realized they don't need that type of star because he would have been making more than Patterson had would be, would be on uh, the... Strongly disagree on this point, but keep going. No, but I was saying that's what they were saying that he would have made more money if he signed on. So Jonah Hill, but, yeah, dude, Jonah Hill's got plenty of money. Trust me, he doesn't care about that stuff. I'm telling you, no, you can no, accuse the Rogan crew. No, I want to make this clear. You can accuse the Judd Apatow crew of Rogan, Hill, Martin Starr, Jason Segel, etc., 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 of a lot of things, including not being great actors and maybe being overrated. But greedy is definitely not one of them. That's slander from somebody that's completely unsupported by anything we know about this crew who's open about the fact that they spend half the money they get on weed. You know, I mean, they don't give a fuck. And by the way, Seth Rogen is what raises a ton of money via his all the comedian buddies he knows on TV special and traveling uh, shows of stand up comedy. I'm just saying I, I agree with these guys were not good fits. But to think that they were somehow being selfish and greedy about it, it is I just I'm not saying it was you. I just want to put the clamp down on that because I know for a fact that's not the case I mean Jonah Hill and, and Seth Rogen went to like a sister's Jewish summer camp in Canada to my camp I know people who know them and they say there's every bit of much like a normal regular guy stoners as, as you would think they are in real life they happen to be funny and occasionally good at acting but I don't think there's going to be z- there's going to be zero resentment on their end about not being cast here and then yep and for a minute there I'm like alright then you might have to wait a whole bit for a Riddler. Yeah. Not realizing I would have to wait like two days. No, let's let's not bury the lead. You were upset that no, no, it no. seemed like Hill was coming, and so you're concocting all these scenarios, but you were the one who was pissed about it. I was, yes. Uh, uh, I, I made him... I, <laughs> I was, I'm trying to push I your was, buttons here, buddy. I'm trying to push your buttons. Let's not bury the lead. You were upset that it seemed like Hill was coming, and so you're concocting all these scenarios, but you were the one who was pissed about it. 
I was, yes. Uh, uh, I, I made him. I, <laughs> I was, I'm trying to push your buttons here, buddy. I'm trying to push your buttons. I know. I was pissed. Yeah. So tell, tell us I, why. I, tell us why. Because. Because. Listen. I was I was afraid we were going to get into Jim Carrey Riddler. That's what I was afraid of. I was afraid of we were going to get like him saying like, you know, that's not his comedy gas. smile though. He doesn't do broad comedy. I mean, people look at Superbad and yeah, Superbad's way over the top. But if you look at Jonah Hill in any of his other comedies, um, or you know, Wolf of by the way, dude, he was great in Wolf of Wall Street, an all time great Scorsese movie. He was nominated for his role in with Brad Pitt in Moneyball. I mean, kid can act. You know, I mean, there's a reason why it's like Scorsese, you know, Leo, and then you've like John Bernthal and a couple other great actors as leads, and Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill can act. He also doesn't need to be fat. But outside of Superbad. That's actually not his type of humor. His type is too dry for the Riddler. I think actually that's the wrong uh, uh, approach if you're trying to compare him to Dana, as Dana is actually more over the top in performance, and that's what they needed. Jonah Hill would have been too subtle based on any role he's done post Super Bad. His humor is very dry and subtle and below the surface. Um, you know, and I actually think you know Super Bad is a very flawed movie, and part of it is the McLovin story is so much better than what's going on with uh, with. Michael Sarah and, and Seth Rogen for the most, most part, although they did discover Emma Stone, so I gotta give them mad props for that. No one saw that coming. Yeah. But but still, you know, that happened. They, they got rid of that. Him and Rogen was was never really up for that role, I, I think so. Yeah, so they're, they're gone. And then I thought we might have to wait a month till we hear about somebody possibly be in talks of the Riddler, not realizing we have to wait either a, a day for the Riddler to be announced. Absolutely. I also want to point out, um, really quickly with Catwoman, uh, we tease this, but very public and very open congratulations and best wishes from all of the past Catwomen, the big ones. We definitely Michelle Pfeiffer and... Hold on. We had Michelle Pfeiffer. We had Anne Hathaway, who you know I know, I think is in general the bee's knees. Um, I no longer have any concern about a new Catwoman portrayal because Zoe is just so her own person, as Zoe Kravitz, and so it's just going to be a totally different thing. You know, I, I tend to rate higher uh, of importance. Making Dark Knight Rises great is Anne Hathaway as, as Selena Kyle. Nevertheless, Zoe's already going to have more screen time, even in the first movie, than than Selena Kyle did in in Batman uh, uh, in uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, which is great. We heard from Halle Berry, as I mentioned. But dude, we also got, in typical Diana Prince fashion, baby, we got Gal Gadot immediately on the train, you know, like, so excited for her girl, you know, like another woman in, in the uh, DC universe. You gotta love it, dude. Gal Gadot, the ultimate team player. I mean, that, that to me, it was great to hear from all the previous cat women, yes, but for Gal Gadot to immediately jump on and be like, oh, this is my girl, I can't wait, like, you're gonna kill a girl, like, blah, 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 like, you hear that from Gal Gadot, and you're Zoe Kravitz, you're already much more well-established than Gal Gadot was before Wonder Woman. You know, you must be feeling pretty good about yourself. So it's nice to see all that outpouring um, of affection. And the response in its own way, dude, has been very similar with Dano. Like, let's put it this way. Whatever did or did not transpire between, you know, Hill and or Rogan and or Reeves and or DC, whatever, people have already forgotten about it because everyone's pumped 
that it's 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 Dano, and I told you my maybe favorite movie of the twenty first century is a Dano movie with you know Daniel Day Lewis, um, and I sent you the 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 clip from Matt Martin, who along with Pablo Hidalgo and Dave Filoni are like the heads of the Star Wars story group. He loves Batman, even though it's not Disney. He's constantly talking about it, and he was he says his favorite movie of the last few years was a Dano movie, and now everyone's excited. Dude, I mean, for a relatively young actor, as acclaimed and liked as he is, Paul Dano, driving this much excitement, I think, you know, is this is maybe the turning point for excitement about the movie, even more than Kravitz, is is having a guy level of Dano, but also young enough to really bring, you know... um, uh, you know, a, a youthful vibe to the role, if that makes sense. I, I don't know. What, what, what do you think about that? I, I think that's, this is, you know, this is good because now, you know, we need a, you, you really need somebody that can really, you know, bring the menace for Riddler and, you know, the unhingedness. And I think Dano can bring a lot of that stuff. He's like a, I, I, I compare him a lot. You know, he's kind of like, this type of guy is like similar to Jalen Hall and stuff like that. That can really knock a roll. Can really is good in every movie he's almost in. So yeah. yeah. Um. So have you seen There Will Be Blood? Uh, I haven't seen that, but I've seen I have seen Looper and I've seen Prisoners. So I've I, I I've I've seen some of his work. So, so this will be slightly. Let me put it this way. Of the Dan roles I've seen, including Looper, including other ones been mentioned here, and and uh, elsewhere, um, usually he wears his psychosis on his sleeve, whether he's a good guy like an, an Okja or, you know, uh, a sort of bad guy uh, or just pathetic loser, ultimately, and, uh, and there will be blood. Um, and gets murdered by a spoiler alert by a bowling ball. Old Daniel Day Lewis, who's like a bitter old early 1900s Lebowski, has his old bowling lane. And when he's totally broke, Paul Dano's reverend character, who Daniel Day Lewis has hated the whole time because he thinks it's a sham, and it is a sham. He comes and admits that he has no money many years later, and Daniel Day Lewis hates him so much he beats him to death with a billiard ball. And that's where the blood is. That's why the, the title is so hilarious, is the actual blood happens at the very end of that movie. <laughs> he beats Paul Dano to death with a billiard ball, with a bowling ball. It's it's gruesome and hilarious. Um, my point being, it depends how they're going to. So let's talk about the character here real quick. It depends how they want to unroll it, right? If they want to unroll it like Heath Ledger in The Joker, in uh, The Dark Knight, where he's specifically immediately the Joker from literally the first scene i mean that's the first scene right is the bank heist you know uh, 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 you know like used to have a you know um when he's talking with um with fickner william fickner the bank manager who tries to take him out with the shotgun love me some william fickner uh fickner was like you know criminals used to have respect around here and, and that's when you know joker gives his whole i'm a new class of criminals a speech uh which i've talked about a lot it's part of what makes the batman so brilliant um specifically that movie but the batman mythos in, in, in general is new class of criminal so there we know from the beginning you know killian murphy and batman begins they sort of try and hide it but any hardcore fans man you know well, let me throw it to you about killian murphy i love killian murphy he's one of my favorite actors he's great at dr crane but you as a fan and even me as a fan knew as soon as you hear dr crane what's going on yeah we we, we know when you hear dr crane you all you always want to s- wonder where the scarecrow is mm-hmm. so uh, by the way, uh, IMDb, I think, update, or, or relative updates. I do check these pages a lot. And they now have um, 
now that they've added Selena Kyle, uh, sorry, now that they've added Zoe Kravitz and Paul Dano to um, the Batman, it now says officially in pre-production, which was sort of what we said off, what I was trying to say off mic, was that it was maybe in pre-production. So that means they're probably going to start filming this thing, just to tease at you guys, because we're just, you know, it's just shots in the dark at this point. Um, it is, uh, I'm thinking spring is what I told you for actual production, and it does seem like that's where it's at right now. Yeah. So as you were talking off mic, uh, my my thing was, I, I think what I heard was, I think the Suicide Squad is going to come out first. Oh, then oh, the I, th- oh I, th- I think they were about to say Suicide Squad is going to come out in the Batman movie. I was about to lose it. I was about to lose it. No, no, be- before I said. Because that's filming right now. So, because... Uh-huh. Yeah, because we saw some pictures, which I'm not going to talk about, because it is pictures that is not officially released, so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Uh, just can I, do, can I just give a little two minute film thing to people out there who might be new, All right. which is you know this. If you guys look, if you know my history with Rogue One, I learned my lesson with Rogue One. I was one of the idiots when they were doing the reshoots of Rogue One in 2016, being like, "Well, they're ruining the movie. <laughs> they're going to kill Rogue One. Disney's ruining the movie. They're they're watering it down. It's not going to be a new a war movie. Nope." <laughs> Not only weren't that, 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 that wasn't that the case, it was more like a second round of shoots, and they did bring in Tony Gilroy, who I love as writer and assistant director for those reshoots, and it, they did add a lot of the best scenes of Rogue One, but they did it in a way that was even more smooth than the Justice League, way more smooth than the Justice League, and it was the same director, Gareth Edwards, but I learned my, my lesson then, after that incident, in learning more about just how film works in general, and that, man, I think you know this, the reshoots are basically a second round of shoots, and yes, sometimes it happens that you you need more of them, like with Justice League or Rogue One, um, in terms of adding content. But one to two months of reshoots is generally something that happens a lot. And I remember, dude, when, when Disney bought Fox really quickly, and it already looked like Dark Phoenix was going to be a disaster, they initially said they were going to do two months of reshoots. And I'm like, this is great. This is an admission that this movie needs more. And then they told us that there was going to be like two weeks of reshoots. And I was like, okay, this is Disney hedging their bets because the movie's going to bomb. And that's indeed what happened, right? Like, you know, I mean, doing two months of reshoots on Rogue One or the Justice League, you're trying to make a billion dollars. So you do a couple months more shooting. It was also Joss Whedon coming in and more Gal Gadot, et cetera, coming out of Wonder Woman. Rogue One was just, you know, it was their first really serious adult war movie and they needed some more narrative power. That's where Tony Gilroy came in. He's now working on Castine K2, which I'm thrilled about. My point being, man, here is we can talk about when the filming actually starts, but there's filming going on during pre-production, quote unquote, and there's going to be reshoots and, and I, you know it's going to happen. Even if there's three weeks of reshoots, people are going to be like, oh, this movie's in trouble. <laughs> there's reshoots. People, just relax. In this day and age where they shoot things out of order and there's so much film coverage that you need, there's inevitably going to be a second round of shoots. So what I'm saying, Ritter, is I, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is going to start probably in the spring, and then the reshoots will be in the fall, and then they'll have plenty of time for post-production. For what I'm proposing to you is going to be a June 2021 release. Yeah. I mean, that makes the most sense. You gotta, after Wonder Woman, should try to shoot for that June. Wonder Woman nailed it in June of 2017. They specifically took the June 2020, uh, 2020, uh, for Wonder Woman 1984, which I'm getting extremely, I should say, increasingly excited for, actually, um, because there's so much Marvel and Star Wars bullshit 
which I love, who we're going to maybe talk about uh, at the end. But I'm getting increasingly excited for having a standalone, awesome Wonder uh, uh, DC property, man, right? I mean, if you like DC, even if Wonder Woman's not your main favorite character, you got to love that we have a standalone universe, like the Wonder Woman universe, right, that, that people are going to go see is great. Um, and I, I, I don't know why, with, with Doctor Strange and Wanda, you know, uh, I, have you heard about this this woman, Elizabeth Olsen, man? I don't know if I've ever brought it up in like a thousand podcasts about Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> no, I, I think I think you never talked about her at all. I, yeah, I don't know. Apparently, she plays this you know X Men character that somehow ended up with the Avengers called the Scarlet Witch, and wait, they're giving her her own show at twenty five million dollars an episode with Paul Bettany, and now she's a co lead in Doctor Strange too because they realize she's more appealing than Benedict Cumberbatch. Roasted, um, but. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's still a Disney Avengers movie, is what, as far as I'm concerned, in May of 2021. And so, yes, dude, I would put. I'll throw it back to you. If it were up to you, where would you put it? I would put it in the Wonder Woman spot of first or second week of June 2021. Yeah, yeah, and and I think you have to watch. There will be blood, by the way, dude. I'm not letting you back on the podcast till you watch. There will be blood because it's his career performance, and it's one of Daniel Day Lewis's best performances. It's an amazing movie. I will. I will watch it. All right. I'll watch it. I'm just, I'm just saying for this. Um, I think people are getting more excited because you know we're finally going to get the Batman that most people want. You know, we Christopher Nolan already, already gave us the Batman that's just starting out, but now we're going to get the Batman who has a few years underneath his rope is and is going to have most of his, if not maybe all of his villains established in this movie, maybe. So that's what I'm most excited for. I think that's what most people are going to be excited for, too. And hopefully we won't see the Waynes get killed again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because I do not want to see another Pearl fall in a mo- when I'm watching the Batman movie again. Yeah, but they saved it with the Dark Knight trilogy by letting Selina Kyle steal the pearls and then have Batman let her keep the pearls and at the very end of the movie with the great ending at the Italian restaurant with with uh, with Alfred. And Hathaway is looking very Selina kyle almost bored at that point, but she's wearing the pearls when they're out to, to lunch there when Alfred sees him. So they make the pearls pay off, but that's three Dark Knight movies, right? I mean, we don't need to see that again. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to see it. Right By the way, I just want to point out that if you're not sure why um, uh, Paul Dino has not actually done a lot of film roles the past few years, it's because he's doing music, but specifically Broadway stuff. And, sp- and from December uh, 2018 through this past March, he was in the critically acclaimed Broadway revival of Sham- Se- uh, Sam Shepard's The West with Ethan Hawke, among other actors. Um, and so... You know, guys who are already this well established in film, dude, but have Broadway stuff going on. I mean, they can they can really do anything. And like I said, I already had loved There Will Be Blood, even though I wasn't sure what to make of Paul Dano. And then with each role that I see him in, I like him more, and I like that movie more. And I realize that he's supposed to be psychotic because in that movie, Daniel Day Lewis is psychotic to the core, but he doesn't act like it. He bottles it inside. Whereas as the shepherd who's hearing the voice of God and trying to con people into giving money to his church and so forth. Paul Dano is wearing it on his sleeve, and that's why they end up hating each other. They're essentially the same person as the point of the movies. These evil capitalists and these evil Christian preachers are basically want the same kind of manipulation and power, and so they end up hating each other for it and so forth. So he is just a great, great actor. I can't say enough about this. I mean, dude, you were there when you messaged me this. Well, my initial reaction was, I love this casting. 
Yeah, I know. I, I, was I hadn't there. thought of it. Um, I had not even thought of it. It was, like I said, it was out of left field for me. I, I, I did not. He's one of those great, like, you know, he's a great actor. He, he's like a chameleon almost. He slips into the roles. He's kind of like a Gary Oldman type that can slip into roles and just, like, embody the characters he plays. I also want to point out that in 2016, uh, Dano directed a movie, like a pretty serious movie called Wildlife, starring none other than Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, and it, pl- it played and did well at Sundance, Con, the Toronto Film Festival, and got a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it, it was nominated for a bunch of awards as well. So I've not seen it. He's a lead vocalist. I mean, look, he's the... I can't make the Jeremy Renner connection until we find out if Renner's a terrible person or not, I guess. I mean, let's put it this way. There's a handful of men in Hollywood who can balance acting and film with, you know, music careers and Broadway careers and so forth and actually pull it off in all angles. I've not heard his band Mook, but it, I'm sure it's entertaining. And he's been with Zoe Kazan for the last 12 years. I don't know if they're married or not. They're basically married. They live in Brooklyn. Zoe Kazan, another champion of the Jewish cause. God, she's so great. And um, did you see her... The, the comedy with her and Kumail Nanjiani from last year, which why am I blanking on it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it did. It was really good. It yep. was sweet. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm her- I mean, it's really interesting too, though, because Zoe Kazan comes from you know, historic lineage, controversial lineage from the Kazan family, but historic nonetheless. Um, if I could, do you mind if I jump back to uh, Kravitz for a second? Sure. Um, which is, uh, you know. Why do you if put yourself in Matt Reeves' shoes? Like we love Zoe Kravitz, it's great, but it's not like when Scarlett Johansson's cast. Like when I heard about this JoJo Rabbit movie a month ago with the Taika Waititi who's going to be directing, starring Scarlett Johansson and a bunch of great actors, Sam Rockwell, Rebel Wilson, that was going to be a dark, dark, dark World War II Hitler comedy. I'm like, I'm in. I'm already in. I don't need to know anything more. I know the director. I know the actors. You know, it's going to be great, and it helps that Scarlett's Jewish and and uh, Taika's Jewish, so they you can get away with some Hitler jokes. Uh, but I love that stuff. Me and my dad particularly love that really dark stuff. Um, and so when you cast Scarlett Johansson, you're like, the movie's at least going to be good, if not amazing. You know, Zoe Kravitz isn't that proven on film, but everyone reacted positively to it. Um, so if you're at Matt Reeves' shoes, why are you going after someone like Kravitz, who, let's be honest, man, is only a few years younger than Anne Hathaway? I mean, she's 20 sorry she's 31 so she'll be 32 33 by the time the movie comes out will be zoe kravitz um so yeah yeah. what do you think matt reeves won her so bad i think they probably did like a chemistry test between her and patterson they probably had to see who had the best chemistry strongly disagree strongly disagree well no i'm just saying when they were doing when they were probably all distancing also because they were probably her first, their first, her their first choice, and they probably met with her, and they probably had her do a test with Patterson. That's what I'm strongly disagreeing about. I don't think that ever happened. You don't? No. No. All right. And what do you think happened then? I'm not saying they didn't run it by Patton's people, but. Patton, I'm sure, was immediately on board for the because they're not traditional love interests. In fact. If they make this a love story in the first movie, I'll be annoyed. If they do in the second or third movie, it'd be great. I want her to not definitively be on the good guys or bad guys side. I kind of want Catwoman to maybe be on the bad guys side at the end of this first movie, man. I'll be honest. I mean, again, The Dark Knight Rises is so epic. You, and with Anne Hathaway and Christian Bale, 
I mean, look, I love Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson, but they're not Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway, even six years ago, man. Like, you know, Anne Hathaway doesn't even, or Christian Bale, those guys don't even audition at this point. They just get offered big roles and they take it or don't take it. Um, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want the romance between the two of them to be just the first movie. Now, if you're talking about, uh, I should say, start in the first movie, if you're talking about them being buddies in terms of teaming up together for much of the first movie and we're not having Babs at all or a little bit and we're not having Robin at all or a little bit and she's the team, like I talk about with Anne Hathaway in Dark Knight Rises I love so much, and they're, and they're doing it as teammates with a little bit of flirtiness, sort of like Jin and Cassian or something like that, then that I can understand. Um, but, you know, let's put it this way. They're not more famous um, or more established, I should say, than Jin and Ca- uh, Jin and Cassian, than Diego Luna and, and um, Felicity were. I know those two were cast separately. They hoped that they would have great chemistry. They ended up having spectacular chemistry that they didn't even have time to explore between Jin and Cassian with Felicity Jones and Diego Luna. I guess what I'm saying is, man, if she's going to be a co-lead of any type in this movie, maybe they would have done some testing with each other. But my guess is Pattinson is so well-known, and Zoe Kravitz is relatively so well-known, it wasn't necessary. With a guy like Matt Reeves, you can probably pin that chemistry. And, and look, if Pattinson can sell chemistry with Kristen Stewart, who's super gay, as a helpless you know, heterosexual woman in, in numerous uh, Twilight movies, I, I, I've said I loved Kristen Stewart post those movies in her indie career, She's clearly the absolute wrong casting for for Bella or Bella, whatever the hell her name was, and hated it as we've talked about, and he hated it. But they still sold romantic chemistry enough to sell all those tickets. Then it's not going to be hard in the Matt Reeves Batman movie with fucking Zoe Kravitz, dude. I'm sorry, I'll say it. They're both gorgeous people, and they're both great charismatic actors and people. They don't need to do a test. Is what I'm, I guess what I, my long way of getting here was to know that they would work well together. But I, I could be wrong. Could be wrong. Might come out behind the scenes on the DVD three years from now. We'll see. All right. Well. Can I move to uh, the Riddler real quick? I would love if you did. So, yes, guys, we've been raving about the actors. We don't need to sell you on Catwoman because we know she's great even in bad movies. And when she's really great, like Michelle Pfeiffer or Anne Hathaway, right, dude? Um, Or or in the cartoons and stuff, she's spectacular. But we all love Selena Kyle, Catwoman. So tell us why the Riddler is more than just an interesting video game slash animated series bad guy. Well, Well, let's start with the tweet that Matt Reese put out. You put out a picture of Paul Dano and wrote Edward Nashton on it, which is actually the Riddler's original and the only um, name in the comics before they changed it to Edward Nigma. And now in the recent comics, they make it, him have that original name, but then he legally changed it to Edward Nigma. So I think they may just go that round, but it sounds like it sounds like maybe they might be. Now, it sounds like they may be going that way or the New 52 way where in the New 52 they had it where in the comics the Riddler was working with uh, Wayne Enterprises and stuff and there was somebody on the board who hired him to uh, try to take out Bruce Wayne and stuff like that. So, so there's a... He has a interesting relationship in the comics and stuff and really cer- certain people know how to write them certain people do not let's put it that way and the most interesting way for me to put it is uh if you want a really good Riddler, recent riddler story look up uh the new 52 batman it's called uh zero year which has him and uh, you have a young batman in there too and mm-hmm. stuff 
All right, Bizzlecast listeners. So we are going to take you into the final section where we talk a little Marvel and a bit more of Star Wars, which is my true love. And there has not been a ton of news, uh, Mr. Ritter, but there's some interesting stuff, including the, the impending release of Disney Plus, but specifically their launch show for grownups, as I call it, the, uh, the Mandalorian, which Star Wars fans, unless they're really, 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 really anti anything that's not Raylo, is excited about, uh, I think, the Mandalorian. Certainly the old school fans are and that's part of the reason they're doing it um and we're also going to talk about the the fact that they're not shying away from screening this new show released during before during and after uh episode nine i mean they're going to be showing new man learning episodes every single weekend including during the first couple weekends of episode nine i think there's some reasons for that um so we will get to that a couple marvel bits um but we have been teasing doing a a, you know a a dc comics uh, um you know non-traditional media podcast which of course mostly involves i would say video games and especially comic books so we want to save that for its own podcast but uh but jason i, I want to give the opportunity to just um give a quick tease for the next couple minutes about some of the developments in batman comics that you're excited about just as a batman comics reader but that you're also excited about possibly informing um what's going on in the batverse now or in the future which is something uh, guys if you haven't figured out like 10 podcasts now with me and jason ritter we're very excited about the batverse so tell us a little bit about the comic book developments because i am trying to read more Batman, um, along with Babs and everyone else. So go ahead. All right. So uh, today, actually, this is Friday. So today we found out that they just released the two new issues of the Batman book that may be coming out in 2020 from our buddies who were doing Detective Comics and Reaper era with James Tyne the Fourth. So it looks like they're going to have. Deathstroke and uh, Riddler as the villains in the first two issues of those Batman books, so that is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder why they're using Riddler, I guess. <laughs> yep. You know, for yeah. me, just really quick, man, um, I can't wait to do this, this whole podcast, you know, so much of Batman is going up against my childhood memories of Batman the Animated Series, and I've been trying to triangulate into your age. I still don't know how... You're definitely younger than me, but let's just put it this way. When Batman the Animated uh, Series came out uh, for the first time in, I don't know, what was it, 92, 93, something like that? 90, um, 92, 93. I was actually moving out of comic books because I was almost like 12, 13 at that point. I was into girls and sports, you know? Like, I was sort of briefly, you know, there was no new Star Wars on the horizon, clearly. I mean, we never thought prequels would happen, let alone sequels to the original movies. Uh, and there was no new Star Wars. X-Men was, like, good, but, you know, it wasn't like reading Marvel comics was my favorite thing. And then Batman the Animated Series came out, man, and that was probably the only animated series I sort of kept watching into my sort of early childhood because of how good it was. I remember how adult it was, uh, even at the time. And so my, my visions of all these criminals, including and especially the Joker and Two-Face, which were so awesome in The Dark Knight, and now, you know, as we mentioned, like sort of most people seem to like or at least find interesting the Joker portrayal now. You want to get bring back Two-Face ASAP. I'm sort of thinking I would rather him wait, but he's a classic villain. Point of dude, my, my, 
other than iconic villains like the Joker, who I had already seen in the original Batman movie and then Dark Knight and so forth, everything I know and associated with Batman, for the most part, outside of just pop culture knowledge, was through the animated series. And the Riddler is very much a part of that. And so I'm interested for you to just real quick talk about yeah, who the Riddler is, um, what you like about him, what you hope they bring out in, in the books um, and, and or the film. Because I think part of the reason they, they picked this uh, character man with Paul Dano is because he's iconic where people will recognize it but he's not so iconic like the Joker that you need an Academy Award winning person like Joaquin Phoenix to reboot that character does that make sense like yeah. Like they couldn't yeah, have done no. the Joker movie with anybody other than, you know, Joaquin Phoenix or someone of his elk, you know, of his age experience and award winning this after the, the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, and, but with the Riddler, you could get someone like, let's put it this way. I didn't not, I didn't want, I didn't want Jonah Hill because I thought he would be bad casting. That's part of it. But I, but I don't think the problem with Jonah Hill was that he wasn't sort of famous enough to play the Riddler. And that's why Paul Dennett is the perfect amount uh, of fame. Because there's going to be a lot of fans, dude, until the name is said and or the costume is revealed that won't know that it's him. And I think that's cool. So go ahead about the Riddler and then we'll move on to our final section. Well, I think they picked the Riddler, obviously, because, you know, this is going to be a detective movie and, He's the type of villain that brings out Batman's detective skills because he always leaves all the clues and stuff, and Batman has to go around and try to figure out what what the answers to the riddles are. Or has to find, he has a device that might be a bomb, and he has to usually figure a way to deactivate it or look for the bomb. You're talking like video that. games. You're talking video games. I know what you're talking about. I, I'm trying to trying to be non-discreet. <laughs> Look, dude, let's be honest. It could be comics. All right, all right, here comes the video. We gave the comics tease. We're going to give the video games tease. Do you mind if I give the video games tease? Sure. I, for the most part, think the Gotham games are, the Arkham games are really good. Um, I've played it, I mostly, as we've talked about, played mostly Arkham Knight only because that was the one to come out on the PlayStation 4. And by the time I discovered Arkham City and uh, the original Arkham Horror, not Arkham Horror, um, Arkham Asylum games on the PlayStation 3, I was sort of not playing video games for a while. I gave away my PlayStation 3, blah, blah, blah. And so I played Arkham Knight, which looks great, but it's not as good as the other ones. Um, And as we've talked about on and off mic, what made the uh, Arkham, the uh, the first couple Arkham games great um, for the PS3, Xbox 360 generation was specifically that you were doing detective shot stuff. But literally, really, man, I mean, after the first, even though Arkham City is considered the best, you know, I mean, the, the upside of Arkham City is that you get to explore a much bigger environment in, you know, the, the, the city of Gotham, and you're not just in the asylum, but being in that small asylum actually forced you to do some interesting puzzle-solving things in the original game, and what's going on in each progressive Arkham uh, Arkham game is that just trying to make it more and more open world. The problem is, to have an open world, you need to record thousands of hours of dialogue between your character and other characters. See The Witcher, Horizon Zero Dawn, um, you know... I I mean, like any the, uh, any of the Assassin's Creed games, the Far Cry games, like all of these open world games, they have to record thousands, thousands of hours uh, of dialogue and. You know, for better or worse, the majority of the Arkham, Batman Arkham games, as well as its sister game, um, the Middle Earth Mordor games, which have the exact same controls, um, you know, made by the same people, which is punchy, 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 punchy. It's awesome punching a lot with Batman, but I kept hoping that there was more. And the, the connection here, man, is the reason they put in stuff like the Riddler riddles throughout that game, it's not just as Easter eggs, but for gamers like me, who are sort of hardcore gamers, who 
like pick games that they like and play dozens of hours in them. You want some stuff that's not just punching, right? And if you look at Uncharted, what makes Uncharted great is not the third-person cover combat, which is fun. It's all the adventuring. It's solving puzzles. It's jumping around. You know, I mean, Batman, you always know you're going to grab something with the grappling hook. And Uncharted, you could be jumping to your doom over and over again uh, with each jump. Or Tomb Raider is another great example of that, right? Um, and so my point is, you know, the, the the Riddler stuff is actually stuff that most people don't even get trophies for or don't aren't aware it's there in the video game. But for the rest of us, it's something to give us a break from the punchy-punchy stuff. So I've actually loved that. And so I get exactly where you're coming from in terms of the detective part of this whole equation. Do you think that that's a... a um, yeah, let's put it this way. I mean, you've been calling, predicting slash wanting Detective Batman the whole time. Do you think this is actually a sign that that you're theorizing about this is e- even maybe closer to on point than we thought? Yes. Do you think they will draw yes, from I, specific I, comics or they will take the uh, Christopher Nolan route of giving nods to lots of comics but not specifically copying any of them? I don't think it's going to be a copy of Long Halloween. I think they might grab, like, elements, you know, you know, there's going to be elements that may be Wong Halloween-esque. You know what I mean? So, like, there might be a point where Batman goes and maybe interrogates the Penguin or Two-Face or Firefly or Mad Hatter, maybe. Saying? Maybe for a scene or two, if they're not big characters. You know, because you're, you're going to have to have a movie where... If there's a mystery, you're going to have a lot of suspects. So oh, this is a great easy. point. Was we we've been sort of debating like how many major villains should they introduce early? I've been strongly pushing for not a lot because I want them to save them. I also don't want to get them overexposed, like with Two Face. But you, you pointed out our conversation the other day offline. They would be yeah. We would just get to know those ca- the, pro- the characters. I got a rap sheet of Batmans, but not specifically pursue them. The problem is, man, they're not ready to cast three or four major villains and have them be in two minutes of the movie. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, it's going to be more like the Batman v Superman. I hate to say it. It's going to be more like the Batman v Superman teasing where we maybe see like a photograph, you know, of someone modeling it or something. You could could tease them. and how I'm being a scene. But why? They, they but why? Everyone loves Batman. I keep telling you this movie, people want this movie to succeed before they even see it. Let me finish. <laughs> I love it. I was going to say it could be a scene, and then maybe they could, they could be a, maybe maybe a major character in in a sequel movie or something like that. No, so. but you, you ignore what I just said. Is if you want an A plus actor to be these great villains, there's no way you cast them years before their actual I, I, movie I, happens. I wouldn't say they would be A plus or any any actors. Be, I mean, to tease, they don't I, even know if this could be a trilogy. <laughs> I, I know you're frustrated with what I'm saying, but what I, it's not communicating is that you need to put actors in the shoes of these characters. And if you yeah, want to well, cast Two-Face in them, that's fine. But to cast them now in 2019, at least four years between the proposed second movie would come out in 2023, is impossible, even for a so-so actor. Unless you want to cast someone to play the role and then recast it, but then all the nerds are annoying because there's no continuity, right? All right. So let's put it this way: Would you would you like it if they cast who, who's clearly like a red shirt as as Two Face for two minutes of this film just to tickle your nerd bone right, and then right. have a completely new character in four years? Come on, come on. 
Bizzle finally won one. Guys, it's been a tough week. It's been brutal. Jason has been out predicting me ahead of me on every single step here. I'm, I'm fighting for everything I can get. <laughs> I've been, starting with the Renner news, which I don't want to bring right, up here. Man. Me, I'm getting brutalized. Do you want me to? Uh, do you want me to tell, talk about the rumored villains now? I know. I would actually wait because we've done a ton on Batman, and the two that we've gotten are the most important. They're confirmed, and they're both amazing actors. Yeah. So, so if there's any other news, because as I know, I have some sources. There is going to be more news of more villains coming. So, great. So just be prepared. I would love to have more villains in this yeah. movie, by the way. I just don't think you bring out your 1A you know, b- b- sluggers like Two-Face and so forth uh, now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we're not, it's, yeah. The only thing we know, there's no Joker and no Harley. Right. So, so just to link it in then, um, which, to Dark Knight, which is, you know, when you see Dark Knight by itself, like when I seen Dark, when I saw Dark Knight, I had not seen Batman Begins, I don't think, and I didn't see Dark Knight Rises until a few years after even that movie came out. But I did like Dark Knight a lot when I saw it, not as much as I love it now. But when then when I went back and watched the you know the League of Shadows movies number one and three, right, um, with Bane and and Roz and so forth, it it seemed to be apparent to me that they were involved in the releasing of the Joker into the public because if you're Bane slash the League of Shadows, right, what better way to soften up Gotham City and make them. Sp- paranoid and turn on each other and be afraid and be cowards and be full of fear and create corruption in the police department and all the stuff that the joker does in dark knight what better way if you're the league of shadows trying to conquer gotham and dark knight rises as bane than unleashing the joker i'm not saying they created him and i definitely don't think the joker knew that he was part of a bigger plan but i think it would be fitting logistically both in the movies and you know sort of meta wise outside the movies if the joker had actually been a tool of the league of shadows all along not to win but to create enough chaos and disturbance and fear right for bane and company to come in in the third movie and and make make gotham ripe for the taking what i'm saying is i would love if the riddler was doing the same things with lower level mob type villains in this batman movie you know that batman might have a sense that this guy the riddler whether he sees him or not could be a problem but he has to deal with these other bad guys and he's sort of pulling strings you know behind the behind the behind the scenes behind the stage if you will backstage um is the riddler would fit with the character it would fit with the genre it would make us have to do a lot of investigating which we want to do a lot of detectiving the shit out of stuff do you want to do does that make sense though i mean let's put it this way the riddler can be a fourth wall breaking character man in this movie without going full deadpool which i think is cool yeah like yeah you could see it but also if he has batman on the ropes you could see like how like he, he could explain his plan to Batman too because the problem with the Riddler is his arrogance and he thinks he, he he's finally beat Batman so then he just explains to him how he beat him and why he beat him so alright here's my final Batman question no, is, oh sorry go ahead you, no, that's, that's you, were, just, you were just quiet for like five seconds there I wasn't sure um <laughs> I'm waiting uh Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, I'm waiting for you. Okay. Well, I didn't know because you, you, you stay quiet for a couple seconds, and I don't know if you're thinking or not. Um, 
uh, the question is because we got lots to talk about here, man, and that's why I don't want to specifically talk about you know comics, but also other characters that we don't know about. I trust that you have sources, and your sources were the ones saying Barbara Gordon, so I really am trusting in your sources. But I will say the casting of these two characters, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle, aka uh, uh, Catwoman, um, and uh, Paul Dano, <laughs> aka the, the amazing Hollywood psychopath actor, aka uh, the Riddler, um, as a bad guy, has taken the pressure off really all the other casting at this point dude because with matt reeves and pattinson and we think we're going to get a bunch of veteran older actors to play gordon and these other characters like fox um for example you know hopefully jeffrey wright and some other people you know i want denzel for lucius fox i don't know if that's going to happen but i think denzel would be an amazing. Or, or um i would uh, and, I'm, and, I'm, and i'm pulling for ray fines for alfred so ray fines alfred yes it's great right and what i'm saying is with all this minority casting you can still cast some white people you know it gives them a lot of flexibility you know i don't care either way as you know I'm, i just want the best and coolest actors and actresses but realistically you know it, it's it, it we need diversity across the board um but my, my bigger point being is that you know with just reeves and um directing and pattinson as the good guy and Kravitz as the you're not sure and the and Dano as the Riddler as the bad guy and so we know great supporting characters that is enough and this is what we've been saying in our podcast is that if they add Batgirl and Robin people are casual people who just love Batman dude this will be, I'm going to throw it to you actually as your response because we talked about this off the mic a lot casual fans who like the Dark Knight and like Batman who even wanted to like Ben Affleck as Batman for example they just like Batman but they aren't comics nerds and they get hit with these great characters but then they get hit with they didn't expect in a Batgirl and Robin amazing castings I think will take this over the top uh, as their as their most successful film yeah don't you think yeah yeah that, again I we need we need the Bat family back on the screen again. We just don't need Batman alone anymore. We gotta, I mean, with with like the Avengers nowadays and stuff like that, you gotta have the Bat family there because yep. that is Batman's Avengers is the Bat family. <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. yeah. And, and look, even the best non Avengers movies, in my opinion, are Cap two and three. Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, those are all team-up movies of various sorts, right? And you know, we, I love the Justice League. Our commentary, by the way, man, is great. I've listened to that a number of times. Really enjoy the Justice League commentary. You're great for your first runarounds. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll interrupt me more as it goes along. Uh, I talked a lot. Um, but, you know, I am the bizzle. It's tough. Um, but that, that was a lot of fun. My point is, everyone's better in the team stuff. And everything gets more interesting in the team stuff. And Matt Reeves has done epic movies enough. I mean, in some ways, the Planet of the Apes movies are more difficult than some of these top, you know, like some of these other movies, like Suicide Squad or smaller Marvel movies are, um, in terms of logistics. Uh, so I don't think he'll have a problem with that. I think the big question is, man, w- w- is that we need to have now, ignore everything I said last time, where I said I wanted Selena Kyle to come in at like the end of the first movie ignore that we got zoe kravitz she's going to be in it from the beginning and dano's going to be in it from the beginning at this point it seems like in terms of introducing characters and then needing even needing to build a team wouldn't you agree that at this point even though you and i love robin and bankroll it, it seems to make more sense it would happen towards the latter part of the film yeah i mean something's going to happen where batman you know he he, he can't quite crack it so He's going to bring them in to help him out with the case and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's what I think is going to happen anyways. I mean, we just could do something else and make a twist that I wouldn't see coming to. So who knows? That's what I would do. That is definitely what I would do. 
I had the most faith in him because he he pulled out some real, real like deep Batman, uh, you know, idea com- on Twitter this week. So that even I forgot about for a while. So his knowledge of Batman is deep, very deep. Can so I bring up I the one? The- oh, sorry. So I have the most trust in him to do whatever he's doing with Batman. So. So That's the only the only negative elephant in the room is that as soon as Pattinson opened up his mouth about this, you and I immediately agreed that he needs PR training. Um, and I don't think Pattinson at this point is like famous or not famous, but like I don't think Pattinson enough is an A plus actor enough where what, any anything he says can damage the property unless it's really negative. But for someone who claims that he's always wanted to play Batman, he seems pretty ignorant about who Batman is, but also the superhero genre in general. Thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm going to just pretend that he didn't <laughs> say that. And uh, yeah. and just and just focus on... Maybe he's just, just, just focus on, you know, becoming and playing Batman, even though he was Batman for a while when he was doing... Twilight and went away. Now he's Batman again. So. I mean, it, it wasn't so, anything offensive yes. that he said, but to say all other superheroes are golden boys and Batman Bruce Wayne isn't a golden boy, but then also to insinuate that it's a revelation that he has, you know, uh, yeah, amoral. Hold on, has amoral then, tendencies. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Has amoral tendencies. What are the two most solo-rated R franchises? Outside of this is Logan and Deadpool, who are both anti-heroes to an extreme degree of anti-violence, and it's unclear where their morals are. So to say somehow Batman, on screen or otherwise, is this like a non-golden boy, you know, troubled character, I guess that is sort of Batman's reputation, but he is still a traditional American hero who just happens to wear a bat suit and has dark hair as opposed to blonde hair, but you know, he's basically the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's the Han Solo debate. It's like Han Solo. It's like some people hated Han Solo because Han Solo makes Han so- the movie Solo makes Han Solo sort of you know a softy with a good heart and not you know a murderous you know scoundrel. But if you watch the original movies and then you watch Solo, you realize that is his personality. He's putting on this whole scoundrel thing, you know, as a big act. And so it actually worked for most Star Wars nerds with Solo. It's like Batman, you know, like is Batman going to be a bad guy? Like, come on, guys. No. Uh, uh, again, let's just pretend he didn't say that and just uh, get excited for the movie, please. Uh, it, well, it brings up a bigger issue, though, which is that you know having Kravitz as sort of the co-face of the franchise in so many ways, we know she's steeped in this if for her voice performance is nothing else, right? Um, and, you know, right. a lot of the actresses like her, and look, she she's now been Mary Jane and Selena Kyle in animated form for two totally different companies. That's amazing. But on top of that, you know, I mean, Rosario Dawson, the reason Rosario Dawson keeps working for me and all male nerds, or nerds in general, is because she's a legitimate nerd, uh, which is why she agreed to do Clerks 2, but she's become so famous and stayed stuck with Marvel so long. Mazaria Dawson is a legitimate, honest-to-goodness honest nerd herself, and that comes across on screen, you know? Um, actresses like Scarlett Johansson and Jennifer Lawrence are not necessarily and had to kind of grow into those roles. Um, neither is Natalie Portman. I think Kravitz, now that she's done X-Men, she's done Batman and Spider-Man and animated, and now this, I have to think Kravitz is familiar with the nerd part of things, and so, 
it, it should be a great sort of co-spokesman for the film. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, are we ready to move on? Then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, if you had anything else to say about like, you know, like let's mm-hmm. put it this way. I'm gonna ask, I'll ask you the question to lead on to the next section, but I'll answer it first myself. Have my expectations changed with these castings? To be honest, man, no. They were very high before, and they remain very high. If they had casted poorly, it would have been gone down from disappointment. But this is just moving strength to strength, uh, you know, in, in my opinion. This is just confirmation that Matt Reeves knows what the fuck he's doing. Um, I love that he never uses his Twitter account except to announce ginormous Hollywood stars who are filling roles in his movies. I, I'm not being sarcastic. I think that's awesome. J.J. Abrams does the same thing. <laughs> he uses his Twitter account like twice a year or something. Uh, so that's right. my final thought is I've had high hopes – about this and I continue to have high hopes and I love these castings so you're finally on Batman and we're going to do a little on Star Wars and, uh, to, to end and we'll close up alright so has my position on this movie changed not really uh, I, like you I've, I've been very happy and very excited once when when Robert Pattinson came into the game and I am more excited and more happy with every announcement of this and we didn't get to talk about G. Kino, he's scoring. Oh, yeah, Dro- drop it, drop it, drop it. Rogue One connection, Rogue, go. Rogue One. Woo! Spider-Man, Jurassic World, and the Apes movies, and now Batman. Can I get, get more excited than that? So, yes, bring it on. Yeah, I mean... Both the Giacchino score and the guy who did the solo score, really excellent for non-Williams scores. I mean, when Williams gets a theme... Let's put it this way. Even with themes for horrible characters or relationships like Padme and Anakin in the prequels, their Across the Stars theme is spectacular. Probably the greatest love, love story theme of all time in any medium uh, is Padme and Anakin's Across the Stars by John Williams. And then Rey. I mean, Rey, the Rey theme is maybe up there with the, the Jedi theme and the Leia theme and the other big ones. It's like my favorites of all time. It's been the rigor of my phone for like two years has been the Rey theme uh, from the first movie. Um... Uh, although the, the Jakku Island theme for Ray and Luke in the second one is also a, a new one is also excellent. But the, the, the Ray theme, which he's, you know, being the, 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 um, the scampy, you know, uh, desert, uh, creature and she's sliding down the hill looking all adorable wearing her Ray stuff and, you know, with the flute and then it goes into more swelling music, obviously being John Williams. I thought the Rogue One and, and Solo, uh, scores it a great job of making it clear that it was not John Williams, but it fits perfectly within that. Um, it sounds like you, you like this guy too. He also did the amazing Star Trek reboot theme music. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for this. I mean, I love Danny Elfman and Alan Silvestri, but they've literally done everything. I mean, Gene Aquino's done a ton of stuff, but it's nice to have someone, I guess, slightly different. I don't know. I guess he's done a million things at this point too. Yeah, he's, he has. I mean, yeah. he's been... Yeah, I I mostly know him for right now. He's been doing some Marvel stuff, and now he's going to be doing uh, Batman. So I'm very excited. Absolutely. That's- and I hope it's, you know, I, I kind of hope it's more John Williams than Hans Zimmer, even though I consider Hans Zimmer the best of all time in terms of the number of different types of music he's had to compose for different movies has arranged so widely john williams is always john williams which is great i mean he's the best in terms of like this is my sound you know i'm gonna keep doing it in in new ways he nails it but i do like that about zimmer that he does video games and he does all sorts of music he brings in electronic stuff when he's working on crazy christopher nolan things like 
you know, or he brings in his his girl Tina Guo to do the Wonder Woman electric cello theme in Wonder Woman and the other movies. Like that's awesome. Like that stuff's all great. Um, but I I think that you know for me what makes Williams great growing up on Star Wars, man, this will be a good transition to Star Wars. Is that Williams' music is so good you can listen to those Star Wars soundtracks on their own a lot and they sound great to me. Um, and what I liked about the Rogue One soundtrack was that when I first saw the movie, I thought it was pretty good. Um, but I didn't know if it was something I'd be listening to a lot, but it ends up being right in the playlist with all the classic Star Wars and other stuff I listen to. Whereas the Star Trek music, which is very good that he did, is not a soundtrack I listen to a ton on its own. I guess there's something about Star Wars music. Maybe that's different, but, um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But you, you, you definitely seem like this as a choice for the, the music. Uh, would you like? I guess the question I'm trying to propose to you is: Would you prefer to you kind of do the more Williams thing, where it's just sort of epic, you know, uh, you know, swelling, uh, uh, big budget, you know, um, you know, hero music stuff like Williams does so great with some interesting side themes, or would you rather go more the Hans Zimmer route, like with Wonder Woman, BVS, Interstellar, you know, pretty much any Christopher Nolan movie, and bringing in electronic and different stuff? Do you like to be more traditional or less traditional? I. I mean, I, I really don't mind either way. What, whatever he feels like he he could bring it to the movie, he'll bring. Cause I think he'll bring his own twist to uh, the Batman stuff with with the music and stuff. Because now he is the second composer ever to score a Batman and a Spider Man movie. So that is very weird. Yeah, I would yeah. prefer the latter of what I said, which is go more Zimmer. Just look at Jessica Jones. <clears throat> Excuse me. I mean, the Jessica Jones theme music and opening theme in general, I think is the most glorious thing I've ever seen on television. It starts as this like jazzy PI stuff. And then the, the purple and blue, you know, uh, colorings of her and Kilgrave and stuff in the opening credits starts to get crazier and crazier and crazier. And all next thing you know, it's like Brian Michael Bendis, Melissa Rosenberg produced by, and you got this ridiculous guitar solo. Someone's ripping Homeland does this too with, uh, using noir. I guess what I'm saying is, man, I would like them to bring in some sort of PR noir, jazzy fifties stuff. Um, but then contrast it with some more modern electric sounds. I, I would go more Zimmer is, is my point here. I would go more Zimmer than Williams. I'd be thrilled with, Williams, uh, it's a high bar, but in terms of Zimmer doing so many of the DC movies in in particular, right, man, I I think it would make more sense for them to go a little bit more experimental uh, and really give recognizable themes like Williams and Zimmer to their main characters. Yeah, and, you know, and uh, G. Kino, he does some weird, he does some spins on some characters that have some recognizable music and stuff, like, you know, you know, he's, he's done some stuff like Star Trek. Uh, he did the Jurassic World movies now. He does uh, the Apes one, obviously. That's the connection there. And, uh, and of course, the MC New ones, he does very interesting stuff with the music in that one. So I'm just excited for it. And hmm. that's all I have to say now about that. Yeah, I mean... I think you and I would be totally fine if they go straight up sort of nouveau noir or whatever you want to call it, or at least early in the movie, right? And like even almost to a, um, let's be honest, dude, the Matrix, the first 30 minutes of the Matrix, while he's still in the Matrix, are very noir. All the phones are like old phones are plugged in, you know, with the buttons and the, the, the stuff. I mean, just little cues that you have. 
I, I mean, we, we've talked a ton about Batman comics, detective comics. We're going to talk more about it. You can talk about Long Halloween and so forth, right, though? But I think it would be to make an immediately serious modern Batman, I think would be a mistake, is what I'm saying. Not that it would be bad, but I think starting with him actually not so burdened with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yes, he can be Batman and have been helping the city for a couple of years, but I wouldn't mind him smiling a tiny bit at the beginning of the movie and then become serious Batman. Three movies of Pattinson not smiling. Oh, that was my actual final question, dude. Is Bruce Wayne. We've only talked about Batman this whole time. Like, what do you want slash do you think will happen with Bruce Wayne? Because, like, what made Christian Bale great was even though we knew the Bruce Wayne cover was bullshit as watchers, he was very smiley and sociable to get his way in the Dark Knight movies. I want to see a smile from Robert Pattinson after all these years, but with Matt Reeves and Pattinson, I don't know if we're going to get it. Thoughts on, on Bruce Wayne in this movie? And then we're going to really quickly do a final section, then we'll cut out. Like, like I said, like, you know, we're probably going to get a smile because there's probably going to be, if we're doing that in movie, there's probably, there's going to be a part where he's probably going to be at a social event for Wayne Industries or something like that. So you may have to put on a knack a little bit and stuff like that. And you never know if he's going to meet like somebody who works for him or could be a suspect in this movie apparently too. So, and his Bruce Wayne yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, not having Henry Cavill smile, if a three movies with Henry Cavill as Superman, not having him smile until the last 30 minutes of the last movie was a huge mistake. Um, and, um, you know, with Pattinson over what we know is going to be a number of movies, we have to see some, some humanity to him. And so I hope he actually is enjoying what he's doing as, as a good guy, right? The way the Avengers do. I mean, it doesn't have to be that much enjoyment, but a little bit of enjoyment of, of that. And that's why, again, why I think Babs and, and Grayson are so important is to keep that humanity inside of him. Yeah. So do, is, is there anything new about Babs and, and Dick or are we just, we just going to just wait and see what happens? Uh, we might have to wait a little bit. Okay. Do you that. think all this casting news hurts, helps, or neutral th- th- that those other two characters that we love and want to see? I th- I think it only helps because I do too. we are building out the universe. Now we're still trying yeah. to build out the universe that he, that yeah. that those characters are going to live in. Yeah, and look, I'm not saying it's going to be Zendaya. She's so famous these days. Uh, you know, I don't know, but let's say it's Zendaya. Now, like, before Batgirl seemed interesting, but now you've got Zoe Kravitz and Paul Dano, now it's becoming more interesting. So I think that was sort of the long-winded point I was trying to get to earlier, was that the casting of these two actors that people in general, but also people that work in Hollywood really like and like working with, who are still relatively young, is going to just entice more actors. Um, and maybe Paul Atreides as well, which we're pulling for. I can't pronounce his name for the life of me. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. So, uh, quick plug. I finally, after three years, got one of my earliest and best contributors back on the podcast. We did the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises commentaries. We did Ex Machina. We did Hurt. His name's Aaron Slavutin. You can go back to the earliest Bizzlecasts from 2015, 2016. They still hold up. They're great commentaries we did together. He was the one man that got me to really look at Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises on a whole new level, even at that time in 2016, uh, especially after BVS, which I, you know, despise, whatever. We both agree on this. Um, but we finally got 
him back on the podcast, and I think we're going to be doing commentaries next weekend for uh, Blade Runner 2049, uh, which is not a perfect movie, not a movie I love across the board, but is a property I love, and the director of that movie, Denis Villeneuve, of course, is directing and writing, uh, or co-writing the Dune movies, um, and so it's important that, the, you know, yeah. He's he is directing Dune, yes. Yeah, so it's important that I, I get more on board with him because people love his movies from Sicario to Arrival I, to Blade Runner. I haven't really loved any of them. Uh, I still think he could be a great uh, uh, Dune director, but yeah. So tune in, guys. The return of Batman Returns. Aaron Slavutin returns next weekend. I think uh, probably when you hear this. It'll be a week or a week and a half from the release of this to that that release. I think we're going to do Blade Runner 2049 because we've done her and Ex Machina. We're really into the AI stuff. And even with Batman technology, man. And this is this is my other thing is we can have high technology Batman with Lucius Fox and so forth and still do noir, right? I mean, there's lots of ways you can have both, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah. And one of the things I'm still trying to figure out is if we're doing this, I just wonder what they're going to do with the Batcave when we get it in this mm. movie too. Because I really want to, I really want to see the giant penny and the dinosaur in live action finally. Mm-hmm. That they always show in the comics because there's like a caper with a penny and a dinosaur for some reason. Okay. Just, just to make it, just to make it, because that's that's what comic Batman has in his cape. All right, so yeah, you heard it here, guys. Tune in for our deep dive into video games, but especially Batman and comics, as well as video games, coming up soon. Uh, Mr. Ritter, I might as well throw this on on air, in case you brilliant minds out there have any ideas. We need a name for our podcast. I, I was thinking of calling it DC Plus, because everyone's calling their stuff Plus, right? Apple Plus, Disney Plus. But DC has a universe, <laughs> but the problem is DC Universe has four shows and some comic books. So, of the many companies that are screwed yeah, by by Disney, and you even admitted, sorry, I'm saying it on air, you're not even paying for Disney uh, DC Universe at this point. I quitted it. I quit it. So, on top of everything else, DC Universe is totally screwed by the combination of, yes, Netflix and Amazon, but specifically by Disney, because Disney is going to be cheaper and offer so much more than the four mediocre, I'm sorry to say, television shows that are on DC Universe. I don't know where DC Universe is making their money, because my friends overseas, dude, are VPNing those shows and not even paying DC for them. So I don't know where they're making money on these so-so shows. Well, overseas, uh, the DC Universe shows are on Netflix, which makes no sense. But if you don't care about cartoons and you don't like Titans and Doom Patrol's too weird for you, hello, that describes me, then I have nothing. I mean, I can get equal as many free comics on Comixology as DC Universe. Why should I pay eight ninety nine a month for that nonsense? Give me a break. Come on. Wait, let's get this on here. So did you watch Doom Patrol now? I watched half of one episode and I'm like this is actually a show I could get behind, but I don't like anything else that I'm paying for, and so I'm not going to get addicted to it, was sort of where I'm at. Like, okay. That's the one I'm hoping goes to HBO, because then I can watch it on HBO without having to pay DC Universe eight ninety fucking nine a month for no fucking reason. All right. But Titans, I thought, was trash. That's right, guys. I said it right here. DC, Titans, trash. It is CW with more blood and more bad words, but it's shot exactly, it's overly saturated, spitting cameras, overly dramatic music, and dude, I hate to say it, even more than CW, Titans actors are really mediocre. They don't have anyone like Ruby Rose or even Grant Gustin that I'm aware of on Titans. Like the fact that Minka Kelly is a lead character, no offense, she's beautiful, she's not a great actress, I'm sorry. Sorry. 
I said it. Uh, yeah. And the air problem is they got and Batman that's way, way too old, but that's that's my problem. But this is all feeding into my Batman theory of, like, this Batman movie already should kill at the box office, but they keep talking about the Shazam universe, the Aquaman universe, Teen Titans universe, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, they should be completely focusing on Batman. They've already got Wonder Woman. They're fine with Aquaman. We don't need four Aquaman movies. I think that's a huge mistake, and it makes me worried. They almost killed the Wonder Woman movie. I know you said that was the previous people, but the new people are the ones saying we're going to make multiple Aquaman movies just because, what, it made a billion dollars up against nothing last christmas so now you're gonna make four aquaman movies which no one really is invested in or cares about um honestly i i i i i worry i i would if i were them i would give patty jenkins whatever money she wants i would give james wan whatever money he wants but then i would give every focus onto the bad verse at, at this point the ground level even if it's pg-13 the ground level dark hard pg-13 bad verse stuff should be their number one priority it makes me nervous that yeah. it's not. Batman Batman should be a priority and also no, the the priority the priority even more than Wonder Woman should be the priority. I'm saying also the Flash movie should be a priority cuz there's been many versions just get one made that is really good and so we can make everybody happy and not be worried that Ezra's not going to be the Flash anymore cuz we need a Flash movie because Ezra is a great movie Flash. I mean, look to wrap it all around, then we'll move on to our final section. You know, the fact that, that Zoe used to date Ezra Miller, and they seem to at least be buds, considering they act together all the time since then. And, you know, they're, they're about the same age. They're still young, but they're experienced actors. And the Jason Momoa connection, so you already have the connection to the Justice League. She dated the guy. They seem to be buddies. I think that's a good sign for Flash. If for no other reason than they're casting actors, sort of in actresses in his age range to fill these roles. And people are eventually going to go, you already had someone like that in the Justice League. Like, why? We don't just need new castings. Like, let's bring back a guy who's proven to be hilarious and great with these actors in the Justice League. I don't know. As you know, I, I wasn't thrilled about Ezra Miller before I saw Justice League. I loved him to death in it, and I would be really sad if we don't get a Flash a movie or two from him at least yeah if not i kind of i i I want a good flash movie you know although and maybe sorry and maybe we might end up getting a flash universe out yes of it, a flash universe no see I, I resist that i i i i resist your notion notion to make a universe out of everything it's, it's well, not not a universe you know what i mean like because because there are so many weird and crazy concepts in the comics that you know you could do crazy things with the flash and this here's the the disney tie-in is that disney realized hey why don't we create things like the wandaverse in television and then move it to, to and from the films like let's put it this way because dc is so differentiated between the movies and the television and the streaming shows and there's zero continuity and tons of double triple quadruple quintuple casting of characters the perfect place to have the flash verse or the aquaverse or the wonder woman verse not Batverse, but those other ones 
if you're going to have them, would be on the streaming service or television. They don't have the money or time to do them in the big screen, but they've already resisted the urge to tie it in. And so now, if Star Wars wants to, you know, I mean, let's put it this way. Everyone knows Boba Fett. Here's the tie into Star Wars for the final section, dude. Everyone knows Boba Fett, but before the Clone Wars and then Rebels, Mandalorians, Mandos, it, like, wasn't even a thing among most people. Even hardcore fans, Mandalorians thing wasn't a thing until, it, you know, until Satine and Bo-Katan, Katie Sankoff's character, and of course, my girl, Tia Sirkar, if you guys follow me, my photo with that beautiful Indian lady is Tia Sirkar, who voices Sabine Wren, as well as she's on The Good Place and a bunch of other amazing TV shows and movies and so forth. Uh, and so the Mandos weren't even a thing, and now they're making the whole show. But on top of that, it looks like the Game of Thrones guys are going to be doing like an ancient Jedi, you know, Old Republic thing if it happens with Star Wars and the ancient past with the Jedi and Sith. But of course, the other major power back then in the continuity were the Mandalorians. The Mandalorian Wars has already been established now in continuity in canon and so you know Disney mentioned pretty openly they're going to be spending somewhere between 15 and 25 million dollars per show on the, the, the Star Wars shows and the Marvel shows I'm telling you man this is a problem for DC who's invested as little as money as possible and fans by by slurping DC on television with the CW I'm sorry to say and not protesting does not forcing them to actually make good shows with great directors and writers even though the casts are decent and the, the, I think DC fans are just anti-Disney, Marvel, anti-Star Wars fans are going to be really, really unhappy with how well immediately the Disney and Marvel shows do because, yes, they have a lot of money, but they also have Hollywood-level talent in all areas. And so I think this is a big problem. Um, you know, I mean, even I'm going to be watching all the Marvel shows, even though I have a problem with some of them. Uh, the Star Wars, for me, is, is, of course, the big attraction. And I'm very thrilled for The Mandalorian, although I'm more excited for Clone Wars, which is in February and then hopefully the end of next year with Cassian. They're saying 2021. I'm really hoping. I think they're going to get it together by the end of next year with Cassian. Now they've got Tony Gilroy. Uh, on board, and so I, I know I sound not neutral on this topic because I'm constantly defending Disney, but I don't defend Disney. My, my whole point is that Disney is the only one putting out the majority of highly rated stuff that gets g- good reviews from fans and critics in as well at the box office. DC has not been doing that on any screen, and, and as long as they continue to not do that, the money will be a problem, and just the investiture of it will, will be, uh, will be a, or lack of invest, investment uh, will, will be a problem. So I don't know. I, I Look, I'll, I'll, let me throw to you and so we don't just talk about star wars because this is a dc podcast but like don't you think at some point they're going to have to start using the tv as an outlet or the streaming service as an outlet for some of their uh, big screen properties yeah i think so eventually i mean you know i remember back in the day after me and steel people wanted a krypton sequel and then that ended up being what was that sci-fi show that just got canceled because you know, the problem we were talking about how DC has it, you know, all these many channels and stuff, and so spread out. People don't know where to look for all these DC shows anymore and stuff like that. Like we were talking about one of the air podcasts, like with Pennyworth and stuff like that. And Krypton was another one that just got slain because it was on sci fi and probably no one never knew about it. And now it got canceled after two seasons. So, yet again. You know, maybe it's just just put all the shows on the app, and so everyone knows where everything is now. I think that's the problem to have it so spread out and stuff like that. Yep, I guess my point is you take out 
Herd and Momoa, and you take out Gal Gadot. Those three people who weren't even big stars, who maybe are still not big stars outside of their characters, it, DC has a huge problem. Marvel, you could yeah. remove three characters of their Avengers, and they've literally got 24 other great characters. You know? That's why I told everybody from the beginning I didn't care if Spider-Man was coming back or not, because if you guys are obsessed with Spider-Man, fine, but we already have so many other great young Avengers or Avengers adjacent you know, Mar- Marvel on-screen characters. And they've always been betting their money on Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch, which, by the way, dude, I don't know if you if you know this this actress named Elizabeth Olsen. Um, I just discovered her recently. Uh, uh, did, <laughs> wait, wait, are you talking Elizabeth Olsen? She sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, yeah. Godzilla, right? Yeah, exactly. She's mostly known for being with Aaron Taylor Johnson in Godzilla, not as her brother in <laughs> Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> Oh, man. It's a joke that never stops being funny, especially because you discovered me through the Ultron podcast, which is like, you know, my first giant nerd boner commentary ever with, with pretty much all the actors in there. That's my point. Even if you go back to Ultron and you take the nine good guy characters in Ultron, you take two of them out, you don't have a problem. They're way more famous than Gal Gadot or Jason Momoa. DC is relying so much on these franchises. Uh, I, I, that's why I want them and think they have to really invest in the Batverse because that would be something that would immediately distinguish themselves. Um, um, in terms of commitment from from Marvel or even Star Wars. Um, yeah, I don't know. I actually think Star Wars is a bigger enemy of DC, to be honest with you, than, than Marvel is. Because Marvel and Star Wars both tend to push the uh, PG-13 rating as far as possible, whereas Marvel is just out and out a family good guy. Even the final Avengers movies, nobody dies. I mean, yes, you know, Steve and Natasha die, but like human beings in general don't really die in Marvel movies ever, even with giant end-of-the-world alien magic and invasions. Star Wars and DC are trying to tap into a little bit more of an adult, complicated moral, right? I'm, I'm, thing is does that make sense and so like yeah i think I having have, to go up against star wars potentially in future movies is a bigger worry than than marvel but i don't know i mean aquaman and even wonder woman is more in the regular pg-13 camp i guess it's also coming from my concern with batman I, I don't want batman to be rated r because we need batman to be seen by everyone but i really want the dark knight r where that's a uh, dark knight pg-13 where it's pushed as far as possible go ahead yeah yeah, you know, we, we need a movie that, you know, that can push it. And, you know, the comics also kind of push, push the extreme PG-13 at times, too. So, I mean, I could see it. I could see Matt Reeves kind of pushing it as far as he needs to hmm. by not going to R, you know. All right, dude. So, just to wrap up... Um I think it's easy to tell we're very excited about this Batman movie. Fortunately, we have to wait two years, Jimbo, yeah, uh, for it. Um, yeah, yeah. If people can't tell, there's a movie that's coming out that we're very excited for. I think it's called uh, Man Bat, Batman, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wearing a bat suit. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my favorite Jason Momoa from Justice League. That movie's really good, man. I feel so bad that people can't enjoy it. Oh, and that's my other concern is like, if people can't enjoy Justice League, but they love Venom and Joker, like, what does that say? I'm not sure. 
I have no clue. Alright, dude, so really quickly, uh, not only is it confirmed that we already kind of knew, but it is confirmed that A, The Mandalorian is going to launch on the 12th of November with Disney Plus, which has literally everything, 100 years of Disney and Fox parents out there in particular. Good job, uh, good, good luck resisting this particular purchase for as long as you can, but I'm pretty sure by Christmas, when your kids are being annoying, you just, you know what, let's buy Disney Plus for $5.99 a month and they can literally watch any Disney thing that's ever happened and keep them occupied. Pretty sure that's going to happen, which is why Disney is betting on the cheap price, which I called years ago was going to happen. They were going to make it cheap and outsell, undersell everyone in the market. Uh, Jason Ritter, what is your feeling about the impending Disney Plus? Yes, I'm a Star Wars guy, so that's what most uh, appeals to me. But can you at least see where I'm coming from about why? And I'm, again, I'm not rooting for this, but why this Disney Plus thing could be a major problem if you're not Netflix, Amazon, or HBO, basically. Yeah. Yes. So I have seen the the trailer for Disney Plus. We had your child <laughs> the three hour trailer. App. Yeah, yeah the the trailer of uh-huh. Disney Plus. We had uh-huh. we have the childhood on on your app. So please get this app yeah, if yeah. you want to relive your childhood. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'll I'll get it. Yeah. Which. For for the Which, record, I neither saw nor was interested in Aladdin or The Lion King re-envisioning, specifically because I love the versions from my childhood and think they're perfect. Why do I need live-action versions of them? So I have plenty of problems with Disney. I just want to reiterate, my, my defense of Disney is practical, and if you guys want to do better, then do better. Don't just blame Disney for your problems, because WB, Paramount, Universal, and all of these people are horrible. Fox is so bad that Disney bought them, and they couldn't say no. I mean, that's how bad these other studios are. If you want to do better, and you don't like Disney, then tell your studio or your favorite studio to step up their fucking game. You listening, Warner Brothers? Yeah, and, and they also released like 9,000 Twitter posts, which then I found out that I guess uh, Veronica Mars is now doing the show on Disney Plus, I guess, or a movie. Oh, don't stop. Kristen, Kristen, Kristen Bell is so famous beyond Veronica Mars, which, by the way, is considered among the greatest uh, underrated shows, like, ever, of, like, by TV people, is Veronica Mars. But she's so great on The Good Place in literally everything she does. She's the perfect voice. She's already been doing some stuff with Frozen and for them forever. She's family friendly, but adults love her. You know, they got Anna Kendrick, who's my girl. You know, they finally signed Anna Kendrick to a long term deal, which I thought was inevitable with Disney. You know, she's doing the major Christmas movie, which is not going to be on the big screen, people. You don't even have to leave your home. Five ninety nine a month. All included, you can see Bill Hader and Anna Kendrick be hilarious over Christmas together on the Disney Plus streaming service. So that's why I want them to get Haley, because they get Haley Seinfeld with Anna Kendrick. Like they've pretty much got everyone I want at this point. Yeah, uh, it's Skynet. Okay. It's the Skynet of entertainment, or or the Borg. Yeah. Like you know, resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. I don't disagree yeah. with that. I, for one, welcome our new Disney overlords. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I can't top that. I can't top that. All right, uh, so let's wrap up. I can't talk. That was great. Yeah, you could talk about. Whatever. I've been blabbering too much. Uh, so talk about whatever you want for the the slab a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. So for a future podcast, I think we'll mm-hmm. probably be ending up talking about thing I keep teasing, but I keep forgetting to talk about. <sighs> Stupid brain. Does we'll eventually have to talk about the new Gods movie with um, Ava DuVernay from who's been killing it on netflix right now and uh tom king making a new gods movie so we'll get to that viewers eventually when i remember so that's a tease 
Speaking of Netflix, Michael B. Jordan, whose show is supposedly amazing, which I haven't seen on Netflix. Um, all right, let's name some people. We'll do a fun thing to end. Let's name some totally hypothetical young actors and actresses we'd love to see in, in Batverse or DC movies, but Batverse in, in general going forward. My first one is Michael B. Jordan. I mean, he was amazing as as the sort of bad guy, sort of sympathetic bad guy in Black Panther, Killmonger, but he's got so much more Great. to give. Obviously, he's Creed. So. Right. Well, as I've talked about it, if you guys have seen my, my Black Panther commentary, I talk about how uh, for the character of Killmonger, it was very clear that Michael B. Jordan was channeling the dark side of Creed. Like, the times in both Creed movies when he gets, like, irrationally mad and almost scarily angry at people that he loves because of the hurt in his life, he really just took that and channeled it to, like, 10 out of 10. 11 out of 10, uh, but still in a brilliant sort of way in Killmonger. So he can do it. Michael B would be one I would jump on immediately if I was Disney because they've already cast him and killed him and everyone agrees he's one of the best Marvel villains ever, if not the best on the big screen. I mean, he's up there with Loki and Kilgrave, right? I mean, for me, it's those three. So, you know, I mean, David Tennant would be great too, but Michael B I would definitely be going after if I were uh, Warner Brothers, especially because Creed is a Warner Brothers property. Well, let's see. Michael B Jordan? Easily, I cast him as uh, Luke Fox, a.k.a. Batwing, who is a member of the Bat family. So I I would cast him because he's the he's their like uh, tech guy in the comics recently so he's also a huge nerd you know he did the genlock anime show for rooster teeth which was really excellent and is a giant he was the main driving force behind that show man he loves anime he's a soup he's a huge nerd so he would be totally into it and before uh, fruitvale station he was uh he voiced cyborg for some dc anime properties back oh really oh interesting yeah so if they cast him in a dc movie that'd be Totally insane mm-hmm. for me, anyways. So, let me think of some others. Do we want to just do a little bit of? Let's see. Uh, here's one. David Tennant. I would obviously cast him as the yeah. Mad Hatter. Yeah. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he just has that Mad Hatter vibe to him. Definitely. Yeah. So if you yeah. want. To- yeah. Totally. Totally. Yep. All right. All right. Well, we can we can leave that. Actually, this. Okay. So, so, Firefly. So you're gonna look for a guy who's loves fire and a little bit crazy. I don't know. And I'll skip that one. So, all right. So the last one we're gonna probably do is. The one you you're dreading, Two Face. I'm not dreading it. I just don't think they should rush it. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know, you know. Obviously, he was a big part of the Long Halloween and stuff like that. But see, Two Face. You know, you need someone handsome enough, but also has a little bit of a dark side to him. You know, kind of like a, kind of like the the contrast to Batman, where. He lets his dark side consume him all the way to the point where he has a split personality. Mm. So. Let's see. All right. Why don't we, why don't um, we leave this as an open we, question? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I was going to say, because we, we, t- we talk about the video games, when we do the video game so, podcast in the comics, we literally have all the villains. So 
So you need, so you need someone who's really handsome and also has a dark side. I mean, I, I'm a little booked at the moment, but I'll take your offer. <laughs> I, back in the, I would have probably said John Hamm, but... Yeah, John Hamm um, would be a great mustache. He'd be a great Shazam bad guy. He's got to be funny. Yeah. You got to make John Hamm yeah. funny. He's so charming when he's funny. Or, actually, you know what? Gosling. Gosling would make a two- good two-face right. also. Yeah. The Gosling is a guy that I don't really like in a lot of movies, but I end up casting in tons of movies anyways for whatever reason because other, yeah, other like, people like, like him. Know, he's a handsome enough guy, you know? Well, look, I, I've I've seen Blade Runner 2049 twice. I liked him more the second time. I still don't love Gosling. I know he's supposed to be a machine in the movie. Spoiler alert. That's kind of the point. Um, but when you watch Blade Runner 2049, you kind of just are waiting for Harrison Ford to come on, and that's sort of a problem. Um but yeah, I'll and, get back and, to you about him after my third viewing, which will be the commentary with Sylvain. It's a bit, and it's a bit long. I remember it's in the so movie slow. theater. Yeah, yeah. I've never which seen is that, perfect for like, Dune. Yeah. Which I I I didn't expect it to be that long. I'm like, oh, it'll be a short movie, and it became very long. Well, that's and there's certain points where I'm like, all right, where is Harrison Ford? <laughs> Yeah, totally. So. Everyone wanted Harrison Ford earlier and more of him, I think. I, but I think, you know, Villeneuve's directing style will work for Dune because Dune needs to be a somewhat slow, dialogue-based, long movie. Um, I don't know if it'll work or whether the fans will like it. Speaking, by the way, of Jason Momoa and two people we've cast, <laughs> Zendaya and Timothy, what's his name? Paul Atreides. Chalamet. Chalamet. Um, you know, so that movie's full of people French, that we French want. Canadian. Oh, okay. Canadian. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think Villeneuve's style will work with Dune. I just am not sure the Dune property and how weird it is will work with anybody else. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it is the best selling and most acclaimed science fiction series ever and was totally stolen, speaking of Star Wars, stolen by George Lucas, the desert messiah, the brother sister twins who end up being the true messiah of the false messiah, who's the father, and there's the force powers. I mean, it's literally all taken from Dune. Uh, the political themes, um, uh, you know, is it, Star Wars, but nevertheless, it has not worked on film so far. I'm not sure why it won't work, but I'll keep my fingers crossed. If for nothing else than Chalamet and Zendaya, right? We got to keep them, keep them in, in our prayers and thoughts. Um, I think they'll be fine with that yeah, cast. Well, yeah. All this is right on Chalamet's shoulders, so hopefully he can, uh, hopefully he can prove him wrong and be a. Uh, Leading man. Well, look, M- Momoa's the guy now. If I'm DC, I'm like Momoa. Start ca- get, work your magic on Zendaya and Chalamet on the Dune set right now, so we can get them both in the universe. Your stepdaughter, who you adore and love, is already Batwoman or Catwoman. You know, like I hate to say it, but Jason Momoa has become like their best recruiter at, at, right now. For, for, He's for an what's going on. of the uh, DC movies. Yeah. So anyway. we talked about the Batman project. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I, look, I don't know what you're going to see between now and the end of the year. I have at least two movies with famous people that are indie movies, nevertheless, that I'm very excited uh-huh. to see and I want to cover. One of them, of yeah. course, is uh-huh. Jojo Rabbit, which is a you know a Holocaust World War II era comedy where Hitler is kind of a joking 
imaginary friend of a disturbed child whose mother is played by Scarlett Johansson and Rebel Wilson's in it and Stephen Merchant's in it and Sam Rockwell is like the actual real bad guy in it. He just won an Academy Award. You know I love Scarlett Johansson directly by Taika Waititi. This is exactly the kind of movie, dude, I love and I've been missing is a great cast who are famous people but are doing very dark indie material. I miss that. And also we're going to get, as I mentioned earlier, Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne, my two major male and female uh, crushes on the planet together again, uh, reunited. It's only been four or five years since Theory of Everything and they're doing a, a new movie called The Aeronauts that's getting excellent, excellent, excellent advanced press and I would expect nothing else from my girl Felicity and my main man, Eddie Redmayne. Dude, any non-comic book uh, stuff from now to the end of the year that you're looking forward to? It could be on television as well. Yeah, well, we've been talking a lot about Detective Batman, so there's a movie I'm excited for that is a detective movie called Knives Out. Oh, by Les Jedi director Ryan Johnson. Yes, and we got Captain America in there. We yep. got James Bond in there. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yes. Yeah, Ryan Johnson, the director who has a ginormous fan base of people who love him forever and a ginormous base of people who despise him forever. Um, for better or worse, dude, that's going to be the narrative with Knives Out. And the critics are going to love it because they always love Ryan Johnson. And the Ryan Johnson lovers slash The Last Jedi, Raylo lovers, they're going to love it. But the people who hate uh, Last Jedi and hate Ryan Johnson for Last Jedi are going to try and sabotage it as much as possible, unfortunately. Um, and that yeah, is why, fans, I do not think Ryan Johnson will be directing other Star Wars films. I don't. I think they want him to, and they like him a lot. Kathleen definitely, Kathleen Kennedy definitely loves Ryan Johnson. There's just too much negative energy around him and you should never give in to haters but you do have to figure out your financial economic priorities at some point go ahead buddy yeah well i'm gonna see because i'm always up for a good mystery movie and and you know i just want to see how it turns out because he says if this one does what it does he might he might consider making a sequel if they make it which, which is more of an indication that he's not making star wars movies um is Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it? Because as far as I know, Last Jedi was the only Ryan Johnson movie ever. To uh, have I haven't. Joseph I haven't. I, um, not really. It could be. Maybe he could be a surprise in the movie. Who knows? At this point, but you know, there's a lot of big names in that movie, so it should be interesting. There are and not. The movie, okay, sorry. No good. And the air movie I'm probably going to see is the uh, Tom Hanks movie because, well. He's a good actor. I'm sick of Tom like Hanks. Hanks. Not to the same level as Tom Cruise, but I'm definitely like when I saw Ca- uh, Captain. What the fuck's his name? Captain. With, oh, I'm I'm the captain now, Phelps. No, 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 Captain Phelps. Yeah, I saw the the Captain movie where they portrayed Africans as stereotypically as normal in these movies. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. You're just playing Tom Hanks on the water. You know, I mean, it's it's literally it's the same. I mean, is he a better actor than Tom Cruise? I think so, but they keep playing versions of themselves over and over again. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and I might. I'm also speaking of October. I might. I'm going to try to sneak in Zombieland too because Rosario Dawson's it. I mean, Rosario Dawson's in it. Also, funny Emma Watson. I am or not Emma Watson. Emma Stone. I am 100% pro. Uh, God, did I say Emma Watson earlier when I said Emma Stone? Emma yeah, Stone. Did. Oh, God damn it. Dude, you need to correct me, man. I say stupid shit. That's why you're here is specifically to correct me. I was here to talk about Because now man. every time I have to edit it and listen to it, I have to listen to myself make the same stupid mistake over and over again because I'm talking too yeah, much. Yeah, I, I thought I was here to talk about Batman. <laughs> 
fuck you. Um, <laughs> but funny Emma Stone is great. Any Woody Harrelson is great. I'm not into zombie movies or even funny zombie movies, but this one and Little Miss Sunshine is in it, baby. <laughs> she was in the first one also. Oh, was she? Oh man, I can't believe it. I was like, really? You're the you're the Bumblebee girl. She's supposed to be uh, Emma Stone's sister. That's funny. That's funny. I mean, just just Emma Stone holding a machine gun is funny. I know it shouldn't be, but it is hilarious. Um, I don't think I will see it, but I'm in fully in support of, of of a movie like this with all the other nonsense. I will point out its runtime is I think 89 minutes, uh, which is like you know Disney level short, Disney cartoon level short. Always makes me a little nervous. You know, I'm about, I'm cool with movies being short. Uh, it makes me nervous with movies this runtime. It's been getting pretty good reviews, though, man. Honestly, for a movie like this, because let's be honest, yeah. Emma Stone and Woody are great actors, and Jesse Eisenberg, I continue to think is a great actor, even though he was bad as Lex Luthor. It wasn't his fault. I don't want a comedy to be a Avengers long time movie. I want it to be for the record, Avengers movie. and Avengers: Age of Ultron were only a hair over two hours. It was yeah, only yeah, the new Avengers movies that were very long. The Weed and Avengers movies were like two hours and five ten minutes. Just saying. Go ahead. When you're doing a comedy, you don't want to be be overly long because eventually the joke uh, gets gets to the point where you're like, all right, I get the joke now. Until we get the four hour Zack Snyder cut, right? Oh, roasted. <laughs> I love you, Alistair, and other Zack Snyder fans out there. <laughs> the joke of the Zack Snyder cut was, there was no joke. <laughs> yeah, it's just a sad, pathetic ending. I hope he comes back, even though I don't like his movies. You know, a lot, enough people like Zack Snyder. Like, I hope he comes yeah, he's back. Doing a, I think he's doing a Netflix movie now. Well, they're redoing Watchmen on HBO, so I guess people can forget about the Watchmen. I don't know. Yeah, they're doing, it's not a remake, it's a sequel, but all right. Oh, oh, interesting! I don't know that. Okay, yeah, it's a it's a sequel, and Alfred from BBS is is playing the villain. Oh, Irons is. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I'm not a big Alan Moore fan. I generally don't like that stuff. Maybe I'll check it out, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a big Alan Moore fan either. But yeah. I'll check it out. It's, it's if it's really good, I'll. I'll talk about it, I guess. I The I one Alan Moore property I loved was V for Vendetta, but he hated it because the Wachowskis made it their own and totally did a different spin on V, much more uplifting and humanistic spin on V for Vendetta than was initially the case. And so, you know, I mean, if the one property that the guy did that I like, he hates it, I don't know what to think. Yeah, well, he hates every every movie that's made for Yes, him. but inarguably, V for Vendetta was liked by most audiences. It got excellent critic and fan scores. It continues to be sort of a cult favorite. Watchmen has split everybody. I mean, all the Zack Snyder movies have split people. I don't know any Zack Snyder movie that, like, in general, everyone loves and is behind. I could be wrong. Yeah. The only one of his I really liked was, it's funny enough, I, like, Kind of like Watchmen because it's a little different. Yes. Book, well, that's the one. Exactly. Watchmen is the one that people who love Snyder and want to prove that he's an, an artistic guy will point to. And I can't argue with it because I maybe saw it once a while ago. I don't remember it. It wasn't my thing. But that seems to be the sort of artistic Zack Snyder thing. So, sure. I mean, and, and so that's the, that's the problem, man, is if I am a Zack Snyder Watchmen fan, am I excited for HBO? Like, I don't even know. I, I think they're playing loosey-goosey with it, though. Mm-hmm. So, 
Well, I don't know how Alan Moore makes well, all these he, brilliant properties that then get taken over and they go loosey goosey against his will, and then he says how much he hates that, and they keep and, doing it over and over and, again. And the crazy thing is, in this in this show, in the universe, they they named who the president is in the universe of the show. You want to take a guess who it is? I have no idea. Robert Redford. <laughs> eh, okay, that could go either way, I suppose. Yeah, but he's not going to appear on screen. They're just going to oh, okay. mention him a whole. So, Hail Robert Hydra. Redford, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> cool, man. All right, well, thank you so much for being on, and even more so for being patient with me, which I know is uh, is always a struggle with my guests. Uh, but, no, but seriously, though, man, this bad stuff has been great, and you are Lucky Charm, because ever since you first came on to talk about this, we have been getting more and more great bat news, right? Like, like more regularly than we, we were at the time, let's put it that way. Yeah, we're, we're ramping up. We are, and so you know, probably going to get more more news in the future and more podcasts about it in the future. It was my so. final thought: is if we don't hear about a Robin and or Batgirl in the next few months, I don't know that it definitively means that we're not getting one. It will be you know almost impossible for me to to not to not jump to that conclusion if that makes sense. But it's possible they keep that under wraps even if they're doing it. So for better or worse, we might not be hearing about Batgirl or Robin, but maybe we will. Maybe we will. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Or they could do it in pre-production, in, in uh, reshoots, too. So you never know. I think you need Batgirl more than Robin for this movie, specifically to, to, to mirror Selena Kyle. Um, whereas I think Robin is more important long-term down the road with Batman. I, but I don't know. With young, somewhat inexperienced Batman, Robin would be a little bit of a hard sell for the first movie. I would get a Barbara Gordon who would come in late in the movie to help but I would rather than take their time with the casting of Robin for the second and third movie and have him be, you know, like the official co-lead of the film, you know, one A, one B co-lead or whatever, um, or, or so forth. It's not I'm not just a homer because I love Babs. I just think the character of a Batgirl is sort of more needed immediately th- than Robin, who he's going to have to sort of look over and take care of. Right, Batgirl can kind of take care of herself. Um, yeah. But it depends. Yeah. It depends on which ones you portray, and that will be a great topic for a comic podcast, man, because by then, hopefully, you'll have read at least some of the Gail Simone New 52 Batgirl that I sent you, and I'll have gotten further yeah. my Batman stuff, and, and we can really go in a deep dive about who's Robin historically, who's Nightwing historically, right? Like, you know, what are some of the ones we like, what, what, blah, 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 you know? I mean, I'm very specific that I want Barbara Gordon Batgirl. It doesn't make Cassandra Kane or Stephanie Brown or so forth you know, irrelevant, but to me, they're mostly irrelevant when it comes to the big screen Robins and Nightwings. There are some different ways to go, even when you go to Grayson, right? There's different portrayals. Right, right. You know, and history for that is pretty muggled also. <laughs> totally. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Um, I know we had some tech difficulties and some bizzle brain difficulties. Those are to be expected. The tech difficulties uh, suck, but did not come in in the way here. And with the magic of editing, it wouldn't anyways. But uh, yeah, dude, it's been great having you on the podcast in general. I can't wait to do the next one. This has been super fun to talk about. I love Batman. I love this part of DC. I haven't really had a chance to in a while. Um, So I'll let you end with anything. But of course, we have the tease that we already made for the, the comic book video game podcast coming up. Go ahead. All right. So, yep. Thank you for for inviting me. Bizzle, and I'm gonna say the last word. Yep. I am Vengeance. I am the Knight. I am the Jimbo. <laughs> Bizzle cast out. Yum, yum. Oh, 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 oh. I told me, told me,